So today we have a special guest with us, a good friend, Bernard Carrick, the former commissioner of NYPD. You know, in New York, they had the five banano, you know, the five mob families. They had the banano, the Colombo, uh, all these other families they had. But there was also the Carrick family because you had to be mm-hmm. just as tough as them to be able to hang being the 40th commissioner. And also correctionally, right? You were, you were also the commissioner of a... The, the jail system in New York, which I, was pretty epic. I ran Rikers in the New York City jail system. And back in my day, uh, we, uh, we had about 133,000 admissions a year. My daily population was about 22,500. Holy moly. When we took over the system, uh, we averaged about 150 stabbings and slashings per month. Um, when I left and became police commissioner in 2000, we had knocked down the inmate on inmate violence by about 93%. 93%. And wow. that is why we have Bernard Carrick here yeah. today to talk about what's going on and how he would go about fixing it. Mm-hmm. We'd like to kind of get some insight on that. But outside of that, uh, we just got back from uh, Dallas. That's we true. Were in Dallas. We had a great event with 2,500-some people there. We rented out the Cowboys Stadium. We had Bo Jackson there. Dylan and Bo Jackson yep. had a moment together. Um, Conversations after. What was your favorite part with Bo? Tell me what, your favorite part that you, you with, know, with Bo or with just Bo the whole Jackson, event? the Cowboys experience. I mean, how was what that an like event! You? Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. I, so my, I, I, I will tell you the, the the one part that stands out to me because we got in on Sunday. You spoke all day Sunday to to your MDs, right? Your marketing yeah. directors. Yeah. So there's maybe three hundred people in the room, right? So that's keep in mind we haven't had a major event like uh, any time like this since 2019, right? Yep. I mean. So this is my first PHP event. We just had our first big valuetainment event uh, a month ago. Not even 100 people in a room in the breakers. So to get 100 people in a room these days, it's pretty impressive. Point is, we got 300 people in a room. Think it's a pretty big deal. All right, Pat speaks. It's awesome. It's awesome. Monday morning rolls around. You know, I tend to run maybe a little bit late sometimes. No big deal. Never. Whatever. You, whatever. You're like a 5 a.m. type of guy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So this particular day, I think the meeting started at 9. I strolled in at 9.30. I had some stuff to do in the morning. I walk in. Burn. And the room is packed, 2,500 people. I did not expect that it was insane to the point where I'm fire expecting. Fire department showed up. No, nobody showed up. No, no, nobody. what I'm saying to you oh, is yes. fire department showed up behind oh, really? closed doors because we had really? standing room only. We had to bring new chairs in. We had to yeah. get some guys to get out. Yeah. It was problematic behind closed doors. I did not even know on. that. It yes. looked like it went off The director seamless. of the hotel showed up. We were having conversations. But anyways, it was a yeah. great event. Yeah. Afterwards, we go, we uh, uh, shut down the Cowboys Stadium. Shut down Cowboys Stadium. Yeah. And it's, this Jackson. is right after Canelo's fight, by the way. This is uh, Canelo yes. had the fight Canelo. at uh, 76,000 some people went to watch this guy fight and the guy broke the other guy's jaw. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. He broke Canelo. his face pretty much with a punch. Yeah. Bernie, please don't get any ideas. All right, no, I'm a good guy. <laughs> Bernie's a friendly guy. So, man. question: a Huge event feels feels great to get back on the scene. You rent out Dallas Cowboy freaking yeah. Stadium. What? How does it feel? You're the CEO. You're giving the opening and closing messages. How does it feel to do a major event like that this again? Is, this is our second one at the Cowboy Stadium. It's okay. a, they're very easy to deal with. Great people. Phenomenal experience. And this time around, we brought Bo. Yep. Bo's pissed off. He misses two flights because of uh, the lightning and the, you know, they're saying cancel, mm-hmm. cancel, cancel. He's the kind of guy, he's old school. He wants to be on time. So he gets in, ticked off at Mother Nature. This motherfucker, you know, I cannot believe this. He's pissed off. Hold he's on. looking to fight Mother Nature <laughs> and possibly <laughs> and win. He could win. Possibly <laughs> he win. He could win. 
And yeah. then anyways, he gets up there, and Matt Sapala does a phenomenal job interviewing Shout him. out to Sapala. Great, yeah, great conversations, great questions. Shout out to Tigran and Moral for making that whole yes, thing happen. they did. Again. And then afterwards, and Paul Bo threw the ball yes. to guys for a straight hour. He that didn't have awesome. to do that. I was like, Bo, no. you can go home. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm good. I'm having fun. So yeah. he was in his element. You know, he yeah. was in his element. And afterwards, we went and sat down, had conversations. That was he cool. Was Behind telling the scenes. stories with Dylan. And uh, Adam showed a video to Dylan that's been on Dylan's mind all <laughs> weekend long. It's the, why don't you tell him what the video is? All right. Are you a big Will Ferrell fan? Anyway, Will Ferrell's in this movie, Eastbound, a show, Eastbound and Down, and he plays his character. And it's basically, imagine that I'm trying to make the two of you laugh. Okay? And whoever laughs first loses. So he gets into this Ric Flair-esque character, and the story is, I'm making love to my wife. Donna. Right. Donna. I come home I, one night. Yeah, exactly. Close the window. Yeah. AC 82. 82. It's ball me. <laughs> I'm on top of Donna. She don't like it at all. She's sweating. My son Gabriel walks in. 82, she, I, yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> he says, My son. Oh, no, son. Go. Let him. What do you say? Gabriel walks in. She, the, my wife Donna yells, Gabriel, get out of here. He goes, no. <laughs> Let the boy watch. <laughs> Like I had to learn from my father before me and his father At before him. At this point, him, these guys the can't board. even control themselves. Yeah. Anyway, so Dylan watched this video all weekend long. All he's been saying, <laughs> we're sitting there talking to Bo Jackson. Bo has no clue what's going on. <laughs> I asked Bo, I said, Bo, who are the greatest athletes of all time? So Bo says, I'm going to have to put Jim Brown there. I'm going to put Michael Jordan. He gave all these mm -hmm. names. And then Dylan says, how about Frank, Ro how about Jackie Robinson? Yeah. He says, you know what? We have to put Jackie there. But he says, you forgot Kobe Bryant. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to put go. Yeah. How about Jesse Owens? He's like, Dylan how keeps do you know going. He keeps yes. giving these names. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Dylan, every, we're having a serious conversation. <laughs> Dylan says, Bo, let the boy watch. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan has no clue what he's talking he's seven about. seven years old. So let the boy watch. Bo, Bo has no clue what he's saying. Him and I are trying to control ourselves. To, the the, the funniest part serious. is that your son is asking you to let the boy watch. <laughs> the irony. Boy, and the boy. fact that your father is named Gabriel is just the most ironic part. There's too many things there yeah. that makes... Um, so, uh, Bernie... <laughs> You're a Giants fan? You're a Jets guy? I mean, let's bring this back to you. You're from New York. You ran New York for uh, a freaking decade. You know, I'm I'm not a big football fan. Uh, you know, I, I like the Giants because they're in New York. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like the Yankees. Uh, I used to go to, I, I usually attended a bunch of games. I don't, uh, I don't go anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not, uh, not happy with the NFL and some of these other teams that have supported Black Lives Matter and all this nonsense. Um, so I've kind of stayed away from it. Gotcha. So not not a Bo Jackson fan maybe or what? Bo Jackson, yeah. I like him. Good man. Good guy. Okay. Now, but you were a football fan before. Like you were a guy yeah. that followed football. I would follow it, yeah. So but you now, went from following, wow. now you're not following it. No. Nope. In the last three years? The last two. Straight. So two. you're that fan who says, I was a fan, now I'm not. No. So, so no is more. it fair wow. to say if... I go to Redcon today at 5 o'clock, mm -hmm. hypothetically. And you're there. Kai Green is there. Aaron is there. You guys are working out. 
I'm probably not going to see you in a Kaepernick jersey. Is that, is that a fair assessment? <laughs> no, it's pretty fair to say. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty fair, fair to so say. So what did you okay. do with the and you, and you will not see me working out with Kai Green and Aaron. Yeah. I'll be by myself. By yourself. But Those boys are on their own. Yeah, they're, they, they're, they're off to the I side. I mean, first of all, Kai, just, Kai looks like a, Aaron's a big guy. Aaron used to Aaron's work. a big guy, but Kai is a, a monster. He's a so, monster, yeah. So I, I got to tell you, he went uh, to uh, – <clears throat> I took him to CPAC with me, right? the conservative political action uh, committee uh, event, and um, he wanted to go. He wanted to go to see Kai Green. Kai Green, which, I don't know, for me it was surprising. This is a Brooklyn dude, wants to go to CPAC. I said, all right, so Aaron and I and Aaron's wife and, uh, and Kai, we go to CPAC. And, uh, I, you know, I know a bunch of these guys that are, you know, former universe, former Olympians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I've never hung with them like at dinner, at lunch. So we go in this we go in this restaurant and we sit down to have lunch and Aaron's wife orders like a sandwich and Aaron orders a cheeseburger and I order a cheeseburger. And Kai, he says, okay, I'll take a, uh, a cheeseburger and um, with, with um, you know, uh, those red fries. And a, and, a, and a chicken sandwich too, and um, and, and a big salad, <laughs> and um, in that in that in the uh, in another sandwich. This is Kai. This is Kai, and the ladies the ladies looking at him, and she goes, "Oh, is do we need another seat? Is somebody else coming?" And he goes, uh, no. That's for me. It's for me. <laughs> I do twelve lunches. Well, once. let me see how much he weighs. Off season, this guy is three hundred ten pounds. How tall? He's five eight. Five. Yeah, I was going to say he's he's about five eight. Have this you seen what, what he looks like, Kai's physique? Let's pull him up. Can you can you put Kai? Up you got to beat us to the punch here. on this. He's got this. your you name, man. Like punch your... on this guy. So he's he sits there, and he has this, you know, this lunch for five on his own. He sits there. Lunch for five for one. Yeah, look. Yeah, he's I know a, Kai he's a small he's guy. The, he's got the beautiful rat tail. <laughs> he's a small dude. And so, so we get done. We get done with that lunch, yeah. and we go on to the VIP room in the in the uh, in the CPAC center. And about an hour later, we're in that room, and he's like tooling around the room, and he's looking in the little, you know, they have the hors d'oeuvre things. And I said to Aaron, I said, "What's he looking for?" He said, "He's hungry." I said, "He's hungry." Yeah, he just <laughs> ate enough fucking food for about thirty people. Yeah, that's he's hungry. That's insane. Again, if let the see, boy eat. Let the boy eat. That's him. But but they they do you know they have six, eight meals a day wow. like to maintain this. that physique and weight. You need it. Well, you're considering doing something like that. You said no, 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 no. I'm not not, not working out like <laughs> no, that. No, no, no. But eating more small no, meals. Small. This is not. They're not eating six small meals. These okay. guys are eating six cows a day. <laughs> is, it was what he's telling you. Is he? Kai, yeah, let's, guy, let's get some yeah. close-ups you know, look, on this guy. The, the bottom You're line is justice. you can eat, in, you know, and I went through this in my turmoil. Images, uh, buddy, images. I learned how to eat six, eight times a day. But it was super small meals, um, you know, and, and you know, they have, everybody has these diets, right? They have a hundred different diets. Here's the diet, the real diet, protein, vegetables, and fruit. I don't know what the hell you call that. You know, they got names paleo for it. diet. Yeah, paleo and all these other yeah. diets. Caveman. It's all BS. Protein, vegetables, and fruit. If you do that, you do it in small portions, six to eight times a day, 
you will knock off the weight. You'll be in phenomenal shape. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what uh, what I would but do. That's not Kai's diet. Kai is, Kai no. is uh, trying to maintain 310, 300 pounds. This guy's, eating, this guy's eating, think about it. I mean, he's eating 4,000 calories per meal. Per meal? Yeah. You're, but Times he, six meals a but day. But he spends, he spends eight hours a day in the gym. Four to, and to four. To maintain that physical. He's been doing movies. He, he, he took a different route. He went from doing the bodybuilding side to now he no longer competes. He is more doing movies, Hollywood. He took a different route. And Have, uh, you, have you ever met him? No, I you got You got to get him on a show. I'm, I'm telling you, smart guy, you know, just soft-spoken. Does he have strong opinions or no? Pretty strong opinions. Okay. Um, but he's, uh, he's a soft-spoken guy, not the nicest man you could meet. His biggest opponent was who? Phil Heath. Him and Phil went at it back and forth. Right? Him and Four Phil, years. Uh, you know, all those top guys. You know, Cutler. Cutler, yeah. you know, those kind of guys. Yeah. He's you're, a good, you're a good friend with Phil Heath. That's Very good friends with Phil Heath, yeah. And so they went, they went the same era, and I think Kai would go second many times. And Kai, a couple times, almost could have picked it up. A lot of people who are Kai fans would say, you know, he could have had one. Or two. The guy had a very nice physique. Very, but very you, nice you know physique. What? When you're at that <clears throat> level, when you're at that level, you know, it's symmetric. It's it's a, you know it's a, it's a muscle off. You know, bottom line is all those guys, all those guys, whether it's Cutler or Coleman or you know, all of them, they're phenomenal athletes. Oh, I mean, you they, kidding me? It's just, just, first of all, you're talking about it's the most judgmental sport in the world. It's right. you against the judges in your little panties, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, you're wearing panties, okay? And you're sitting there posing, and they're saying his abs. Dude, if, if Kai Green comes and sits here, don't talk about panties. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's What's up with pizza. your panties, guy? Yeah. Huh? When you got your panties in a bunch. So, anyways. Right. And then but, he just uh, eats me. He does. He eats a lot. Anyway, so let's, let's get into it. We got a lot of stories to cover. I'm going to cover wow. some of the stories here, and we'll get into it. One is gas prices which is insane. We may even go into that on what happened with gas prices with this, you know, dark web uh, uh, hackers that came out. They got actually an interesting story on what they're doing. I think it's important to see the connection there with Russia. Uh, U.S. job opening hits record high in March. Uh, We have a number of states that have ended boosting their unemployment benefits, amid hiring concerns. Uh, another article we got about Applebee's aiming to hire 10,000 workers in May with an interview incentive, which is a pretty big deal to see Applebee's wanting to hire 10,000 Amazing incentive program. But that's what's great is the fact that they're hiring 10,000. Mm-hmm. It's telling you the future looks bright. So anytime you see an Applebee's hiring 10,000, they're trying to say things are about to go back mm-hmm. to normal, which is great to hear something like that. Okay, so inflation skyrocketing, record-breaking, I think, April uh, that we had the uh, Last time it went up, this uh, 4.2% was what? In 08, when they had a spike like this. Uh, analytics suggest 96% of users leave app tracking disabled in iOS 14.5. This is hurting Facebook tremendously because they're allowing people to say, do you want them to have your information? And 96% are saying no. I don't want them to uh, track what I'm doing. Toyota's Q4 profits nearly doubled, beating expectations. SoftBank just shocked its critics by landing the biggest profit in the history of a Japanese company. Judge dismisses NRA bankruptcy case. Colonial, colonial pipeline attack tip of an infrastructure risk iceberg. DHS cyber uh, chief says gas stations in the southeast run out of gas as people panic, buying fuel. Uh, New York City violent 
crime is up. So is the city's police budget, which obviously we'll talk to you about that. New York City appears prepares for return to government for government wor- workers. Why New York City's homelessness rates skyrocketed for adults but dropped for families during the pandemic. California Governor Newsom is proposing a $12 billion uh, budget to house state homelessness. L.A. murder rate continues to climb. Murder in Los Angeles nearly doubles, up nearly 200%. Violent crimes rising at rapid pace. Sheriff's statistics show St. Louis. Uh, Sheriff's uh, statistics show. Then uh, something happened this weekend with Republicans ousting uh, Liz, Liz Cheney. Cheney from leadership over her. Uh, I say this weekend. It was a couple days ago. We, we haven't done a podcast for a while. Over her opposition to Trump and GOP election lies, which I'm kind of curious to know what you're going to say about that. And then we have to talk about Palestine and Israel. Kai, is that story here or no? Is that yeah. story here? Which page is it on? Twelve. <clears throat> yeah, let me see if we have it. Okay, senior Hamas commander killed as Israel strikes Gaza. Palestinians fire rockets. First story I want to get into is actually gas prices. So if you want to go to page five, colonial pipeline attack, and then we'll go into page six. To talk about these gas prices, what happened to it, why the lines are so long, and why everyone's panicking. So, Colonial Pipeline attack, tip of infrastructure, risk iceberg, DHS, uh, cyber. Um, is, this, is this the gas story or no? Darks, it is. Okay. Colonial Pipeline attack, tip of the infrastructure, rise, risk iceberg, DHS, cyber chief, Fox Business story. After a hacking group forced Colonial Pipeline, the nation's largest system for refined oil products, to shut down suddenly, government officials are warning cyber attacks against U.S. businesses and infrastructure will become more frequent. Acting Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency Director Brandon Wells made that clear during Q&A while testifying before lawmakers on the Senate Homeland Security Committee. If there is ransom, uh, ransomware focus on Colonial, there is likely to be ransomware focus on other critical infrastructure as well. Isn't that true? Asked Senator Rob Portman, Republican Ohio, the ranking member of the committee. And Wells responded, that is true. The attack on the Colonial Pipeline said to be the work of Russian ransomware group DarkSide <laughs> is straining supply and panicking drivers who have lined up at gas stations up and down the East Coast with North Carolina and Virginia declaring a state of emergency. And then obviously this has caused the gas stations in Southeast to run out of gas as pa- people panic buying fuel. Gas stations in sou- Southern Eastern United States face significant out- uh, outages. Wednesday, uh, this makes it in this stretches into the sixth day. As of 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 24.8% of all gas stations in North Carolina, 15.4% of all gas stations in Georgia, 15% in Virginia are without gasoline. Let me say that one more time. A quarter of all gas stations in Carolina, that's the third largest economy in America. According to uh, uh, the city, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a big number right there when you're looking at that. Uh, according to GasBuddy as an app track field demand, the supply chain appears to be much worse in metropolitan cities. GasBuddy reported outages impacting 71% of stations in Metro Charlotte, nearly 60% in Atlanta, 72% in Raleigh, 73% in Pensacola. Anyways, I can give you a bunch of stats. What are your thoughts on what's going on with this? Well, you want to start with this? No, go ahead. Okay, well, there's two different stories here. There's the actual cyber attack on Colonial Pipeline. Um, I think it's important to point out that uh, sort of a a big Miami... uh, journalist type guy made a major announcement he's like people in south florida don't worry about this we do not get our gas from colonial pipeline we actually get shipments from the ports so this is not affecting south florida so for local people they were like all right cool but there's i guess two stories going on here number one um 
the cyber warfare. I mean, and you could probably speak about warfare way better than I, but warfare is now turning cyber. And this is a major concern. I think it was Ted Koppel um, that, that I spoke with a few years ago at a big NALBA event. And, and it was kind of 2016 when Trump was talking about the wall and all that. And it was hoopla on hoopla. He goes, look, the biggest issue we should, ha we should all be thinking about is uh, cyber warfare. And obviously after COVID, you know, whatever you would call uh, pandemic warfare, but also the electrical grid. Like imagine if they can take out the electrical grid, that'd be absurd. So, but the good news is this has been rectified. Everything is kind of getting back to normal. And then back to that's sort of a macro level. Then from a micro perspective, Kai, if you want to pull up the picture that I just sent you, this reminds me, it's to use the metaphor from the, from COVID people freaking out buying toilet paper. I got to get toilet paper. I'm hoarding toilet paper. It's ridiculous. I need the toilet paper. And it's like, why did we all need all that toilet paper during COVID? Uh, it didn't, I had COVID. I didn't, wasn't going to the bathroom more than the usual. So here's an example that I saw online. This couple is filling up a SUV full of gas. This is classic. With the kids probably sitting in the back yeah. right there, smelling all of that. You know, the guy's 300 pounds. He should probably just take a walk for a second. But rather than driving the SUV, that's just that's just me. I got personal. I'm sorry, buddy. I take that back. The wives' calves look like Bo Jackson's. That's just me again. Legit. But legit. But this is what's going on. This is people overreact. They rush to judgment. Listen, all, all night last night, if you ride up and down uh, the highway, you'll see lines. You would have seen lines all night last night. They don't really have a problem here, but people panic, mm -hmm. just like the toilet paper. And I don't. I. I really never figured out what the toilet paper had to do with the COVID stuff. Like, <laughs> toilet paper? I, I don't know. Uh, nobody got diarrhea from COVID. No, nah, that was not a <clears throat> symptom. No. It was not a symptom. I still can't smell six months later, but uh, I've been able to, bathrooms is pretty it's normal. not a bad problem. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the toilet paper uh, was an issue. Just like the gas, people panic. Mm -hmm. They panic, and it's usually out of ignorance. Um, the problem we have, you know, out of all the things that you mentioned, you know, the grid issues, the electro electrical grid, uh, the water uh, basins, you know, are they, uh, are they problematic? Could they be? Yeah, they could be. But the bottom line is cyber is probably one of the deadliest threats we face today as a national security risk because you have Russia, you have China, you have El Salvador. Iran, mm -hmm. North, um, Korea. <clears throat> North Korea, these are all, uh, you know, they all have their elements out there that are trying to attack the U.S. without doing it publicly. And how do you do that? You get into the banking systems. You get into systems like this. Um, they could do a lot of damage, a lot of damage, and that's what we have to worry about. And, and here's what's interesting. Kai, can you pull up that tweet that I sent you? This is, this is pretty insane to be thinking about how ridiculous this is getting. Here's U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Do not fill plastic bags with gasoline. Yeah. Plastic bags. Plastic bags with gasoline. What do you mean? Do you even have to tweet about the fact that the only reason they're tweeting that is why? Because someone's... Dude, maybe they think it's a water bags. balloon yeah. or something. Hey, let me go fill up plastic. How do you even fill up plastic Th bags? This is, this what, this is so. what irrational actors are thinking about when they hear that there's a gas shortage and they don't own one of the big red buckets because Homeboy over there just bought 
10,000 of them, put them in his truck, and now your only option is, oh, yeah, I got to go fill up a garbage bag versus gasoline, and you're freaking out. Like you said, they're uninformed, and they're just acting. So, so here's what we have to emotion. realize. This is the largest U.S. pipeline, number one. Mm-hmm. Largest U.S. fuel pipeline, okay? Dark, dark side hackers took 100 gigabyte of data they stole, okay? They have a, a, a double extortion scheme. There's a ransom they want here in return. Mm-hmm. If you go look up who dark side hackers are, they operate on the dark web. It's not political. They flat out tell you we are not political. We don't lean on the left or the right or anywhere. We simply just want money. On their website, they tell you which companies they've attacked, which companies they've hacked, mm-hmm. what they've gotten on their website, clearly. And they say they have a very value-based principle. They don't go after funeral homes. They don't go after insurance companies. They don't go after companies that take care of uh, uh, elderly. There's such... Oh, what nice people. The principal. (laughs) The principal thieves. Principal thieves. The principal-based hackers. And uh, uh, Biden came out and said, look, this has nothing to do with uh, Russia, uh, meaning the government. It has something to do with the, the, the people that are hacking are from Russia, but we don't know if they're linked to Russia or not. Obviously, gas prices went up the highest in seven years. But if you really think about it, here's what you got to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. So go and think about what COVID did to us for 12 months. How much did COVID cost us? I was talking to Noam Chomsky, and he said such an interesting thing. He said, look what Osama bin Laden did to the U.S. He said, Osama bin Laden, during Bush and Obama, he got the U.S. government. His goal was to make U.S. government go bankrupt chasing this guy. Mm-hmm. U.S. spent $3.6 trillion just to catch this guy. He says, what <laughs> human being in the world has ever been worth $3.6 trillion? The most expensive human being ever in the world was Osama bin Laden. Think about mm-hmm. that. The most expensive human being in the world was Osama bin Laden. That's how much U.S. spent to go capture and this guy, right? $3.6 trillion. So now you come back and you look at something like this. How much did COVID cost U.S.? How much five, did COVID cost? Five trillion plus. So so far, in excess of five. In excess yeah. of five trillion dollars. Six. Okay, five to six trillion dollars. Forget about the printing money, all this stuff. Five to six trillion dollars, right? And now things are coming back that uh, you know Fauci was part of a funded project. I don't know if you saw that or not. That they helped out with China years ago, and now they're kind of wanting to remove their names. But on the bottom of it, this lady who did this. Uh, a report on the bottom, she says that this research was funded by, I think it's NIH, which Fauci's name is on that. Now Fauci's coming back and saying we had nothing to do with this. And they're saying how reckless this could have been because the virus could have come out, et cetera, et cetera. What does this have to do with COVID and Fauci? Mm-hmm. Here's what it has to do with it. The, the threats, you know, you know how they say, what is that one line? You know, if wars were fought in, you know, uh, uh, the next World War III will be fought with what? Sticks and bones, you know, sticks and... Uh, with words? Y- no, no, no. Sticks no. and Th- stones? Sticks and stones, meaning it's going to be the end of the world. They're going to fight. I don't think that's going to be the case. If you actually think about what the next wars are going to be, the toughest things about the next war is you don't know who's doing it. Mm-hmm. There is no fingerprints today. It's tough to find the fingerprints today. How do you go back and see who's behind this thing here? How do you not know these were operate, you know, people who are working on the inside with the Russian government that are doing this. How do you not know that this is funded? You don't know that stuff. The paper trail to find a lot of stuff is tough today. You don't know. But Why? Because it's done online? The, the hackers, they can find ways to eliminate their IP so you don't know where it's coming from. And mm-hmm. th- these guys are becoming so good at what they're doing today. You know, it. it uh, this reminds me of the Cali cartel back in the 80s, 90s, right? 
for everything that, that Pablo every, Escobar and those guys Pablo Escobar okay. those guys for every element that we put together to attack them to go after their networks to you know kill their their you know groups everything we did you know and, th and so think of it like this you can't wiretap a cell phone right this is back in the 80s coming out of the 80s going into the 90s we figured out how to get up on the phones so they went to pagers. Mm -hmm. Then we figured out how to get up on, on the pagers. They take one step. We have to follow it up with two or three to catch up. How long does that take to catch up, by the way? It depends on what it is, but it takes a while. Okay. It's not immediate. Mm -hmm. You know, They're thinking, the criminal element is this, they're constantly thinking of ways to circumvent the law, circumvent law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And every time they do that, we have to come up with a way to combat it. In this, this stuff is like Star Wars, realistically. And today, um, you know, there are kids out there, 15-year-old kids that are in high schools that in, in my town, for example, in Bergen County, New Jersey, there are kids in high schools mm -hmm. that, you know, get visits from the FBI and the Secret Service because they just happen to tap into, you know, Michelle Obama's bank account. Just for shits and giggles, buddy. Yeah. Just, just to tell their just friends, look to play, what I did. Yeah, just to play, play, they're playing a game. Yep. They're playing a game. But that's the intelligence level of some of these kids today. And what happens? Then they go into the private sectors. They go into government sectors. They go into criminal sectors. Um, and they go out there and do this stuff. So the, the genius of our younger generation when it comes to this is incredible. Um, and it's frightening. Who's more creative? <clears throat> Who's more creative? Uh, uh, CIA, FBI, uh, you know, DEA, or criminals? Who is more creative? Um, the, the criminals are more creative because they're there first. They get there first, right? So they have to be creative. They already know what we have the ability to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they have to get creative to circumvent that. But I will, t I will tell you this. When the FBI has a problem or the CIA has a problem, they can't really figure it out, who do they go to? Boom. They go to the criminals, yeah. right? They get their informants. They get their sources. Um, they bring in people that can get the job done. And, and sometimes it's... It's like in the classic movie, Catch Me Catch If You me Can, if you Frank Abagnale. Exactly I mean, the guy. What I was thinking about. All right, yeah. we can't figure this guy out. Let's, Let's bring him in. Let's go get him. Right. Let's go get him. And now, he's in a, and now he's like one of the more outspoken people out there talking about money laundering and washing yeah. money and right. not using well, debit even, cards even and Rose, credit cards. Roosevelt went to uh, Joseph Kennedy, you know, because he's like, listen, man, the way you can manipulate the stock market, I have to find out what you're doing to find the next criminals. Yeah. Right. And that's how the whole SEC got started back in the days. They have mm. to find out how, how would you manipulate the market today? How would you mess with the market today? But these hackers, they're not driven by the same things that others are driven by. They're not driven by money. They're not driven. They're driven by... You know, some some are driven by money. It's, some it's not all of them though. But but not all of them. Yeah, some of them you are know, driven by revenge. They're driven by yeah. you said. What did you say? Watch what I'm going to do. Or it's a game. You don't think I can do this? It's I'll show you exactly. It's it's a game. It's political. It's revenge. It's you know. It's financial. Like, at least these dark side guys, whoever these guys are, they, they're flat out saying, 
Look, man, we're just great at what we do. We want money. That's all we care about. You give us well, at some least money, they're being uh, fully full disclosure. Sure, we the, it's we a want very one-dimensional relationship. We're very good at what we do. We're going to make yeah. your yeah. life a living kill. Just give us the money. We'll leave you alone. So it's, it's it's crazy what these young kids could do. I think it was like a 15-year-old kid that ha hacked into Twitter or something like that and started tweeting under Jack Dorsey or whatever the ridiculous story was like that. You, you know what's scary is you look at some of the dark side hackers. Who are they hacking? They're hacking police departments. Mm -hmm. They're hacking police departments. They're hacking government agencies. They're going to police departments and saying, "What's their outcome?" Huh? Well, money, money. They weren't paid. You know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna shut down your city's ability to, you know, to get uh, payments for city electric, you know, utilities. We're gonna shut that down. Uh, you know, we want a hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin. And we want it by 12 p.m. today. And if you don't do it, we're shutting that ability down. So they look at it like this. The city looks at it like this. One, we're not going to grab them. We're not going to catch them. We may catch them later on down the line, but we ain't getting them no time soon to stop this. Mm -hmm. And two, if they shut our ability down to collect utility payments from city residents, it's going to cost us Five million dollars over the next two weeks, three weeks, a month. Give them the hundred thousand. Oh, so they'll, they'll negotiate with terrorists and pay them? Is what you're saying? Oh no, cyber they pay. terrorists. The cities pay. Cities really? have paid. Yeah. Tells wow. you to power these guys. By, by the way, that's the next phase. So, so a couple of years ago, I'm at an insurance conference. I don't know Palm Springs. I'm at an insurance conference. CEO gets up, okay, and they said, "Just want you to know, hackers right now." are hacking into life insurance policies and they're taking cash values out of life insurance policies. Wow. Yes. So the CEO, we had a six hour session, two hours of it was just about cybersecurity, okay? So we went and investigated to find out what we need to be doing with cybersecurity. I mean, you can go out and get the best cybersecurity insurance. You can get the guys who come in, no matter how much guys you get, there's gonna be people that know how to go around it. You're just trying to protect yourself. That's exactly right? what I said. Yeah, you're simply trying, so today, one of the biggest sellers today is cybersecurity insurance. Right. It's not even about hiring the best engineer to fight off cybersecurity hackers. It's to get a cybersecurity insurance, you get a $5 million policy. Who would have thought the cybersecurity insurance business would have been this big? You're literally buying insurance against a cyber attack. And that's what a lot of businesses are it's doing probably today. worth it to have it's it. It's a very good business. I'm telling you right now, I think... The insurance industry with cybersecurity, I think that's going to be one of the best businesses next next twenty years. You know They're why? not going because away. Because you've got if if you don't have a mechanism to stop them, say they have your client list in some capacity, right? A major a major corporation. Say they have your client list. They're going to abolish your client list. They're going to disintegrate your files. They're going to do all this stuff. They want to have a million dollars, so. You're going to lose your client list. You're going to lose your data. You're going to lose everything that was in your servers, your systems, unless you pay. You're going to pay. How do you pay? Through the insurance company. Wow. I have a question for you, Bernie, because uh, you were the NYPD commissioner around 9-11, right? During 9-11. During. So it, taking it back to I'm, I'm 40, past 42, 41, um, I remember being, this is 25 years ago, I remember being 15 years old late 90s mid 90s and literally calling up and asking one of my best friends who was like a computer geek uh, hey jeremy what's the difference between the internet and email 
Uh, can you just break that down for me, buddy? I literally had no idea. 1996. Yeah. Right. Okay, so five years later, we're dealing with 9-11. You brought up uh, Osama Nine, bin 96, Laden. I think I bought... Remember, the American Express had a had a thing. You can buy a, a computer online, and people were buying computers, and I was like, dude, I don't know. Why, why would I ever need a computer? Why would I need it? a computer? You know, AOL account. I'm going to get an AOL account. Right. Who just sold, yeah. uh, who just, uh, they sold, the joined AOL Yahoo. AOL and sold Yahoo for five Exactly. Billion. And they lost the exclamation point, so they're not excited about it. The Yahoo used to have the exclamation point. AOL is not Yahoo. Yes, correct. But the, it used to be Yahoo with an exclamation point. Yeah. They took that away, meaning they're not too excited. Here's my question for you. So we're going back 20 years or so. What were the major concerns back then, pre-9-11 and even post-9-11, versus what they are today? We talked about cyber and this malware and taking down the grid. But So bring us back to what the world looked like 20 years ago when you were running the show, running the show versus what it looks like today. I think back then, um, you know, we weren't as concerned with cyber as we are today. Not, not even close. Not even close. Makes sense. Today is a ma it's a major could be a major national security threat. Back then, it was the criminal element in the NYPD. Um, we had a big intelligence component. Um, we had been attacked prior. Um, the radical Muslim, uh, you know, uh, groups we were familiar with. We were concerned with. Um, and, and the organized crime change, you know, years ago up until, uh, I guess the 2000s, um, you know, a lot of the organized crime, major organized crime in New York City was Italian, right? The mafia. Um, you know, t today when the FBI says, you know, they've, they've hit the mafia, they've, you know, they're taking out a, a, a substantial organized crime mafia group. The guy's 90 years old. He's coming out of his fucking house in a bathrobe. <laughs> you know, come on. It's like, really, dude? You know, you know what I mean? It's amazing. So, Please so, continue. <laughs> the, so the, we got him, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we got him in his walker. Hey, Tony. He's, what do his, you guys want from me? In his walker, you know, they, they right. get him out to the car. Today, it's the Russians. Today, it's the Chinese. Uh, things like that, uh, those organized crime groups uh, are, are serious concerns. Um, terrorism, a serious concern in New York City, only because we've been through it. We are, I think New York City is still the primary terrorist target in the United States. Um, but cyber is one of the most, uh, most important. At pre-9-11, how big of a concern, how high of a red of alert was a terrorist attack like the World Trade Center was it well it was still it was high uh, and there were things we were always concerned with keep in mind you know the mass transit system we have you know Subway five million people that go through the mass transit system on a daily basis in New York City you know you drop uh, you know some chemical agents in the subway system at five o'clock at Grand Central Station Holy you've shit. got a major problem um, so these are always these were always concerns of ours you know, in the aftermath of the attack on the morning of September 11th, after the planes hit the buildings, we shut down the mass transit system. We evacuated the other buildings in New York City, you know, that had major height on them, uh, worried about incoming planes, worried about, you know, the third planes, fourth planes. We didn't know how many planes were out there. But we also shut down the mass transit system.
got everybody out of the subway system because I didn't know if there were more attacks planned. I didn't know if there was something going to happen on the ground. You know, a coordinated attack like this, you don't know. You don't know what they did. You only know what you're getting at the time. Um, what did they have planned? Did they have coordinated attacks planned on the ground? You know, um, shore up the synagogues, shore up the churches, um, the government buildings, uh, the mass transit. These are all things that we had to worry about at the time. And and you were you were you were with Giuliani, right? You were escorting Giuliani around because there's a. What's the whole story with you and Mayor Giuliani during uh, uh, 9-11? Well, when the, when the first plane hit Tower 1, I was actually in my office. Giuliani was uptown. He was at a breakfast. And uh, I was in my office. And my chief of staff and one of my security guys came in banging on the door that a plane had just hit Tower 1. And I, I thought they were a little overly excited because I thought – that that plane would be a small Cessna or one of these small aircraft. You did not think it was a terrorist attack? No. The morning of that. No, I thought, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was one of these small planes that fly up and down the Hudson River. Yeah. The helicopters, a small aircraft, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, taking people in and out of lower Manhattan. And uh, then all of a sudden, I, I looked up at, I had a TV in my office uh, above a treadmill in the back of my office, and I could see the damage to the building. And I walked out to my phone at my desk. I called the mayor, and he said, I'm on the way downtown. I'll meet you at 7 World Trade. That was where the emergency command center was for the city. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got dressed because I, I was standing there taking a shave when this happened. I got dressed, uh, and I was down to the entrance of Vesey Street probably within seven or eight minutes. Um, got down to the corner, uh, came down West Broadway, went to turn on the Vessi, and there were cops there. And a sergeant came up to my vehicle, saw me in the back seat. I had my window down, saluted me, and said, uh, "Boss, you can't get onto the block. They're jumping." And I didn't, I didn't know what he From meant. From the building. Yeah, I got out of the vehicle, walked to the corner of Vessi. And I could see there's debris coming off the building, um, and then it's, you know, within seconds, I realized that the debris that I saw coming off the building wasn't really debris, it was people, oh and they were coming down two or three at a time. Um, so we backed the vehicles up West Broadway uh, to Barclay, um, waiting for the mayor, In about three minutes before he arrived, the second plane blew through the north side of the tower, so when you... When you see that big orange fireball blow, blow out the north side of Trade Center 2, I was standing under that fireball. And we were looking up, and I didn't know, I didn't know at the time what that was because I didn't see that plane. That plane came in from the southern end of Manhattan. And then I could hear the aviation pilots, uh, our pilots, the helicopter pilots in the NYPD, yelling that a second aircraft had just hit Tower 2. So it was at that... It was at that moment that I realized that we were under attack. Um, we didn't know anything about D.C., mm -hmm. didn't know anything about the Pentagon, hadn't happened yet. Uh, Pennsylvania, nothing, nothing about that yet. No, None of that stuff. That was a, another half hour behind us. Mm -hmm. um, the mayor got there in about three minutes. We looked at the front of the building. The mayor wanted to go down to West Street. Uh, we walked literally walked to West Street over by the financial uh, center, mm -hmm. looked at the damage uh, to Tower 1 and 2 from that side of the street, 
And then I brought him back to exactly where we picked him up at Barclay and West Broadway so he could call the White House. He wanted to call the White House. He wanted to call President Bush and ask for air support. And um, we, were in that, we were in that office with the mayor and my executive staff, some of the deputy mayors, when Tower 2 imploded. And it was, it was only about 100 yards from us. So you were that, there. So basically it imploded on top of us. Wow. Pretty, pretty, I mean, everybody remembers where they were at with 9-11. Everybody remembers where they were at with 9-11. What I want to do is, I, I, want, I want us to talk about, some of the numbers came up here about New York and the crime rate, what's going on over there. I want you to kind of give us a, what a day, because I know even right now your son's a cop in Jersey. Right. And he's been one for a while. And I want, I want people to know what is the difference between being a cop today after the whole defunding police, mm-hmm. after the whole campaign of, you know, the way cops are being painted right now. If a story comes out that favors cops being bad, they'll highlight it all over the place. If a story comes out with the cops doing the right thing, it may get uh, shared in a couple places, but they're not going to share it. So it's only the bad part that they're showing with cops. Right. What is the difference between being a cop in the 80s, 90s, versus being a cop in 2021, 2020? I think the biggest difference is the... The public image of policing has changed and because of this radical left-wing movement. Um, you know, what I, I think is a, a pretty substantial push for socialism in the country. Um, you know, back in the 80s, uh, 90s, 70s, um, police officers, male, female, they were respected in the community. Um, in your classrooms, your children were taught you know, cops are the good guys. They go out and they do a job that a lot of people wouldn't do. A lot of people wouldn't have the courage to do. Uh, they're underpaid. They're understaffed. Um, and people respected them, just like you respected people in the military. Over the last 20 years or so, especially the last 10, over the last 10 years, 12 years, that's all changed. And there's been this major push by the radical left to demonize police. And we have a lot of this going on right now, in, especially in major cities. And what's ironic, it's those major cities that have this push to victimize the thugs and villainize the cops. It's those major cities that are run in a manner um, contrary to the way Giuliani ran New York City and their violent crime, their shootings, their, uh, their murder rates are through the roof mm-hmm. um, because there's no accountability, because they're not enforcing the laws, because they have district attorneys uh, that are being funded by these radical left-wing organizations, Soros. Um, you know, Soros funded uh, the guy in Philly, the DA. He, he funded the, the woman in St. Louis. Um, there's a bunch of these district attorneys in cities around the country that are not prosecuting people to break the law. And then you have legislators that, that create laws and governors sign off on them like in California. You know, you could walk into a CVS in California and steal $995 worth of goods and walk out and you cannot be charged. Anything under $1,000 can be charged. Wait, can you say that one more time? Say, say that one more time. So you, you can go in and basically yeah. steal up to $999 yeah. 
worth of material out of uh, out of a store, and nobody's going to charge you with a crime. This is what city? What state? This is California. In California, T- California today. Tell me that is not the most pathetic thing you've ever heard. It's, I can it's, go it's, into a store. Are you? This is a law in California. No, it's it's yeah, it's laws, and, and prosecutors will not prosecute. So what is it? Anything less than a thousand? You're Anything good? less than a thousand. So that's so. Why doesn't so, anyone just go into any store and just say, oh, "I'm taking this"? Well, right. pretty much they are, and, and, and a bunch of stores are closing down. But here's here's the problem: it, it, what you have now is a three pronged problem. You have legislators and governors that are enacting legislation that handcuff the cops, that you know bail reform. These bail reform laws you can't hold anybody that you're locking up anymore. Um, that's number one. Number two, the prosecutors, they're targeting cops more than they're they're targeting bad guys. And, uh, and I think the third thing is handcuffing the cops in general, where you have like, for example, in New York city, you have the mayor of New York city, who's basically during the riots last summer, told the cops, take a light touch. De Blasio. De Blasio. Take a light touch on crime. So you have all that going on, and then you got this, this push by Black Lives Matter and Antifa, primarily Black Lives Matter and groups like that, where they're creating this vision that there's systemic racism in policing and that cops primarily target blacks and, and brown people um, you know, to go out and shoot them. Right. Uh, you know, without cause, you know, uh, and, and I sent uh, actually said something to Sam. I don't, I don't know if you guys got it. Uh, you got you got that. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to bring up something I, w- I want to show you because these are real numbers. OK, real numbers um, that are going on right now. These are numbers I'm going to show you for 2020. Okay. And in doing that. You know, if you listen to the mainstream media, if you listen to what's being reported, you'll you'll hear people say that cops, you know, they shoot unarmed blacks far more than they shoot unarmed whites. Okay, so I'm going to show you something. Out of close to 50 million police suspect interactions, 50 million, Mm -hmm. 50 million, there's 10 million arrests in the country last year. 2020. 2020. Okay. So 20% okay. of interactions yeah. leading to a 10 million arrests. They fatally shot, police fatally shot, out of 10 million arrests, they shot 1,021 people. Okay. Right? Out of that number, fatally shot, 983 were male, 38 female. 457 were white, 243 were black, 170 Latino, 151 other. But here's the interesting number, especially given what you hear in the media, unarmed suspects, unarmed, 24 white, 18 black, 8 Hispanic, 5 other. The percentage... The the status coming from where? This is coming from... So the, the arrest numbers are coming from the FBI. Okay. Those fatally shot numbers, they're coming from the Washington Post. Which keeps a From major the Washington Post. That's right. They keep a major database on fatality wow. shootings dating back to 2015. Okay, Washington Post is not friends of the cops. No, they're not. You. They're on the left. Yes. Okay, 
those are the numbers. The chances of you being shot as a black male today, unarmed, based on last year's numbers, is 0.00018. Really? That's systemic? That's systemic racism? Come on. And, and here's the bottom line. Cops don't go to communities based on race. They go to communities based on crime. What they do is they, they, they take a map of a city. They put a map of a city on a computer like this. They pin map where that crime is happening. The dispatching of the police, the police resources, the funding, mm-hmm. everything is focused on where the crime is. There's nothing on there that says what color you are in the community. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on there that says what religion you are, where you come from, whether you're a citizen or not. Nothing. It's strictly based on crime. So when you look at the when you look at that big crime map, this is where the crime is. That's where the cops are going. And unfortunately, you have cities today like Atlanta, Baltimore, Minneapolis, Chicago, New York City. They're all every single one of those cities are run by a Democrat. They're run by a Democrat and every single one of them are facing the same issues. The highest violent crime, highest murder rates, highest shooting rates. And <laughs> there's between the laws, between the prosecutors, and handcuffing the cops, those numbers are going to continue. Okay. Some, do you have questions yeah, on that? I, I, do, I, I, got, I do. I got some stats I want to cover. Go, here. go. I, okay. I do have some questions. If on you this, have though. questions, go on yeah, to questions. Well, I do. And this is. Um, you know, I've seen your interview that you did with Vice, which was very powerful. Right. Right. And uh, have you seen that, Pat? No, I have not. Okay, really powerful. So, you know, this is this is specifically talked about unarmed shootings, right? right. But you've been actually so I, I'm almost. Uh, this is a question, but it's also kind of singing your praises, but also maybe just kind of trying to understand the, the the logic here. You're basically saying that there's not systemic racism in the police force, especially when it's concerned with. Unarmed shootings. Right. Right. Or violence. Okay. Violence. According to your Vice interview, you know, you were very outspoken that there definitely needs to be prison reform. Right. And uh, the steps that are, and you were actually vocal about how blacks were in the system sort of targeted judicially unfairly. So here's here's the problem in, in this not, not only not only am I an advocate mm-hmm. uh, under President Trump, um, he signed the First Step Act. Uh, I was pretty instrumental in getting um, getting that passed. Uh, I was actually in the Oval Office with him when he signed the bill, and that was to basically create incentives, uh, good time incentives for inmates in federal prison, so they they would get out sooner. Um, without keeping them locked away forever, um, and, and a bunch of other things. But to, to go to your question, here's my problem with the system. You take areas like, um, let's take Baltimore, for example. Mm-hmm. The DEA goes in and they do these stings, right, where they're going to lock up really bad guys. Guys are engaged in violence. Guys are bad guys. I have no problem with going after the bad guys, the really bad guys, if they're authentically, you know, the villains, right? But when you have young kids today, 18, 19, 17 years old, 
they go out there buying dime bags of cocaine, right? Mm -hmm. And they get caught up in these conspiracies with these other bad guys. Well, guess what? They get charged with the same amount of weight that the bad guy did. If the guy's doing two kilos a week and you went out and bought three dime bags in a week and they mm -hmm. saw you and they witnessed it and they collared you for those three buys, you get, you get charged with the two kilos. How's that even possible? Well, that's like the what's, law. The, what's the logic in that? Like if there, you're, is, if you're there going, is no logic. Okay. There is that's, no logic, right. and that's my argument. So what you do is you then take that, that young kid mm -hmm. who had no prior record, you lock him up, and you basically say, look, you're looking at life because that two kilos, that gets you life. You're looking at life. Take a plea for 10 years. And your defense, your, your defense lawyer, most of them are you know, provided by the courts. He says, you got to take the deal. Take the deal. You'll be fine. Ten years. You're, you're not doing life. Ten years. You're 18. You'll be out you're when you're 18, 28. You'll be, 18, you'll be out when you're 26. Just take the deal. Okay, great. You you sign a plea for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. You do eight. Okay. You had no criminal record. You had no criminal background. You're not a bad kid. But guess what we did? We took you and we put you into a system that's full of monsters. Right. Yeah. What is prison? Prison is a training ground for thuggery, criminality. The, you learn how to steal, cheat, lie, manipulate. It's like business school for thugs. It's, it's a business school for thugs and violence, mm -hmm. right? You need to survive. You need to learn how to fight. You get into a verbal altercation, and, you know, the end of that is usually somebody getting knifed, pummeled, cut. Um, that's the bottom line. That's what we did. We took mm -hmm. that 18-year-old that kid yeah. who had no violence, no problems. We put him into the system. And then at 26, we sent him home. Mm -hmm. And legislators in Washington have sat around in circle jerks for the past 30 years. They can't figure out why the recidivism rate isn't dropping. What's this word, recidivism? Revisiting. Revisiting. Okay. jail. Okay, yeah, right? gotcha. So... The recidivism rate isn't dropping because these guys have no choice but to revert to crime. They come out after 26 right. years, and I, and I had kids in prison that I was teaching classes to, and I would say, you know, you got to get your GED. You got you to gotta try to get some college when you get out. Mm -hmm. And they would look at me and they'd say, Kamish, I'm black. I'm a convicted felon. I'm not going to be able to get a job. That GED is not going to help me. And here's the sad thing. For the most part, they're right. They're right. They're yeah. right. Well, the question for you, because when you have a felony on your record, you're fucked. No, Is that... you're, you're fucked. Yeah. And, and they know it. Right. And they know so it. So it's like, all right, what's the point of getting the GED, the high school degree? Because once I'm a felon, that's going to follow me for life. Any, any 80, job they 80%. ask you, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Yes. Fuck that candidate. I mean, is that right. basically what that's, happens? That's exactly what happens. It's very and sad. Nobody, nobody gets it. Nobody... You know, everybody talks a good game, and the, and the legislators, you know, oh, we're, you know, we want to do this, we want to do this. You know what? You know, it, getting that first step act signed by President Trump, mm -hmm. it was a major headache. If it wasn't for Jared Kushner and and a whole cadre of people around him that fought like hell with these legislators, that thing would have never got signed, never. Mm -hmm. And it's still not enough. It's far from enough. But Obama was doing stuff too. And oh, I know you're not I a was, fan of Obama, but I know no, you've but done... I, work, I, was right. in, I worked with the Obama administration okay. trying to get it done. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. trying to get it done. I, I spent, five, I was in the White House physically four or five times during the Obama administration. Wow. Trying to get it done, trying to get these guys to work together. And, you know, listen, I am, I am, uh, <laughs> these days, I think everybody, in, you know, for the exception of maybe five people, out of all of Congress, you know, the senators, the congressmen, they're all full of shit. You know, they, they tell you one thing privately. They, t- you know, oh, it's the right thing to do. You're right. You're 100% right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. And they walk out the door. They stand up at a press conference. And they say, well, we're not sure. We don't know. We'll have to look at it. We, you know, there are issues. Play politics. They have to kind of defend their position, their political party. They, have to, they have not only defend their position, yeah. but they're basically, you know, some guy didn't sign off on a bill that this guy yeah. wants. Well, it's it's revenge time. So now I'm gonna not I'm not gonna sign his shit because he didn't sign mine. It's pretty ugly. Let me just. Some people Listen. are asking right now, saying, "Pat, fact check, fact check, fact check." I'm going to give you some stories here. An Instagram post went viral the other day, right? It had 100, I don't know, 18,000 likes, Kai, whatever the number was, with, uh, you know, a post on the days without police killings in 2021, right? USA Today story. If you can pull up that Instagram post so people can see it. The claim on April 18th, there had only been three days in 2021 where police did not kill someone, okay? In a wake of high-profile fatal shootings at the hands of law enforcement in areas such as Columbus, Ohio, Chicago, some users have taken to social media highlight number of police-related shootings in the first quarter of 2021. One viral post presented statistics on the matter. There have only been three days, if you want to pull it up, there have only been three days in 2020. I'm on page seven. There's only been three days in 2021 where police did not kill someone. Reads an April 20th Instagram post with over 118,000 likes. While the data presented in the claims is accurate, based on U.S. Today's research, experts note that there are, cl- are certain factors to keep in mind where they're looking at such data as state law standards and police department po- policies, which govern where police is allowed to use deadly force. Officers legally are given the authority to use deadly force to defend themselves or others from an imminent threat. When we dig into this data, what we see most of the time is that the person was posing some type of deadly threat. Some type of deadly threat, says Justin uh, Nix an associate professor of criminology and criminal justice at the University of Nebraska. This continues to go into New York. I don't know if you can find a post or not, uh, Kai. Okay, why don't you just, uh, when you click on it, does it go somewhere or no? When it says Instagram post, click on that. There you go. That's the dates, okay? So 118,000 likes. It shows three days, which was January 14th, January 23rd, uh, January 16th, January 23rd, March uh, 2nd, the only three days that somebody didn't die. What were those three days? I don't see. I can't see so good. Great. If you look at gray, it's zero. So, so January twenty third yeah, and could, March third. It, it could be. Okay. It could be. But by the way, if you look at this number and the data that you gave, the data that you gave was what? It was one thousand twenty one, which divided by three sixty five is about three a day. Three a day. Okay. So the average is three a day, which means you're going to have some zeros, but you're going to average around one to three a day. One to three a day in a, that's in, in a, all of America. But, but but that's here's where people they have no fucking common sense. Think of the numbers, okay? Ten million arrests There's, annually. It, that's that's people that twenty twenty. That's physically yeah. people that are arrested. Okay, mm-hmm. to get to that number, you're going to have five to ten times the interactions. You don't arrest everybody. You stop right. So you have five to ten, 10 interactions per arrest, okay? 
So mm -hmm. between 50 million inter interactions, you have 10 million arrests, you have 1,021 people fatally shot, okay? That's two or three a day in 50 states, and there's 850,000 police officers. That is far from systemic. But people don't, they don't get it. You're they, saying it's a spin job. It's, it's a big spin job. You know, this is data. You live in a world where it's all about data. It's all about data. Right? Yeah. This is the so data when, king right here. Yeah, no, he's the, he is the data king. So when you look at stuff like this, you have to look at it realistically, mm -hmm. not through the, the, the scope of some right-wing or left-wing lunatic. The, the bottom line is look at the data. You can't hide dead bodies. You can't. You cannot hide dead bodies. You cannot hide. I mean, it's not tough to come up with a statistic of how many times the police has had an interaction with somebody. That's an easy data to pull nowadays. And how many times it's led to an arrest? 50 million to 10 million. That's 20%. By the way, I went online while he's giving me the numbers. I'm doing my own research. So if you're mm -hmm. listening to this, you ought to be doing the same thing as well. The Washington Post article I found, you can easily find the article because some people are saying, give me the link, go online, type in the numbers. You'll find it. Matter of fact, Kai, why don't you share the article so they can find it as well? I want to continue. I want to continue with this, okay? Because this obviously got a lot of interaction. This got a lot of people to be talking about it. Can you go to Change's Instagram? I want to know. Go to Change. Click on that right there. Yeah, go to it. So change is sustainable fabrics, fair trade production, carbon neutral clothing. Okay, so we already know where, uh, what uh, uh, they stand. Be critical of right-wing government in Israel. Okay, we know where they stand. So let me read this other article that has to, this is a New York Post article about New York. Data proves it. Pandemic is no excuse for New York City's rising tide of violent crime. Earlier this month, four New Yorkers were shot dead in four incidents with 24 hours, followed by a triple shooting in Times Square. This is a 1980s-level crime, and the city is getting used to it with alarming, uh, uh, alarming alerts. Uh, Alarcity. Like uh, no, it's not alarcity. Alacrity. Alacrity. Mayor, de Mayor Bill de Blasio answer to this is that there's not much we can do. Our entire lives were turned upside down, a global pandemic and a, a perfect storm, he says. So he hasn't acted with much urgency as the murder rate rose 47% last year to a total of 468 people killed and he has risen this year so far by 17%. This is just New York is what we're talking about. The rest of the world is demonstrating the obvious. Murders and other crimes should be down during a pandemic, right? Look at the statistics here. So folks, if you're listening to this, New York is up. The rest of the world is down. In London... The murder rate fell 16% during the pandemic. In Italy, it dropped by 14%. In Japan, it dropped by 10%. In France, it dropped by 2%. And even in Mexico, it dropped by half a percent. So what is wrong with us? Not just New York, but the country as a whole with urban murder rates up 30% last year. One answer is that compared to Europe and Japan, we have more guns. That's been a crisis for decades, yet it isn't new. What is new in New York and the rest of the country is that we have effectively halted all preventative policing. We have also effectively stopped all incarceration of suspects and criminals short of murder. So what do you have to say to this article by New York Post? What did it say? 478 homicides 468, last year? 468. 468 last year. 460. Up by 47%. Okay. So let me give you a number. In 1993, there were 2,200 murders in New York City. 2,000. 200 in 1993, okay? There was no fucking pandemic. This ain't about a pandemic. This is about thugs being 
victimized. This is about an administration, de Blasio's administration, that has handcuffed the cops. He took a billion dollars out of their budget. He took 600 plainclothes anti-crime cops off the streets. When you work in plainclothes, and I work plainclothes as a cop, okay? I'm not talking about narcotics. If you're in a plainclothes unit in New York City, your whole- Can you explain what a plainclothes is to folks who don't know? What's plainclothes? All right, let me give you an example. Times Square, okay. where we first met. The first time I ever met yep. you was in Times Square. Yep. Taxis, yellow cabs, everybody sees a yellow cab in Times Square. Well, let me tell you an, an old trick. I'll give you some old trivia. If you see a cab and the number on the cab, in the middle letter was an R, and the last two numbers were the same, right, on that cab, the three people that's riding in that cab, usually there'll be a driver and two people in the back seat, those are cops, hmm. okay? They're in plain clothes, they're in yellow cabs, or they're in plain clothes, they're in unmarked cars. When you say but plain clothes, they're dressed like you. They're, they're dressed, dressed like, like, like a normal me. Guy. Usually it's jeans, sneakers, a vest, you know, a jacket, whatever the case may be. They, they blend in, they look like anybody mm. else, may have a beard, not beard, whatever. Bottom line, here's their job. Their whole function in life is to look for guns and respond to what we call hot jobs. Robbery in progress, shooting in progress, shots fired, so, you know, somebody getting stabbed, whatever the case may be. Their job is violence. That's all their job is. Bill de Blasio took 600 of them, all of them, all the plainclothes units in New York City, took them off the street. 600 of them. Why he, would he do something like that? He put them back in uniform. Why? What's the message? He said they were a there? threat to the communities. In what way? I don't know. I, I don't. What's the speculation, though? Even the speculation. What is the it, speculation? He, Why my speculation that? is he's a moron. That's my speculation. <laughs> it's pretty, very deeper. Okay. He's got to have some justification for. I, I don't care. He's got to look at stats. I don't care what his stats is. I don't care. I don't know. I'm asking. Well, because no. because it's like it's almost like it's not fair. People should know you're a cop. You shouldn't be hiding like you're not a cop. Maybe okay. that's what it is. Like right. transparency. I, that's, I, look, that's the whole point of being undercover. Of being so clothes, so here's right? here's the bottom line. He takes a billion dollars out of the budget. He takes 600 cops out of the streets, plainclothes unit cops. Mm -hmm. Their whole function in life is to look for guns, takes them out, and basically opens up Rikers, lets people off Rikers, institutes these laws with the city council and the governor where they're not going to—all the things that Pat, Pat just talked about, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're not locking them up. They're letting them out. They're not holding them for bail. All that stuff. So here's the bottom line. What would you say the number last year, 660, 460? 468. 468. 2200 in 1993, okay? Between 1993, I left office in 2002, January 2002. We dropped that homicide number from 2200. I walked out of office. I think my number was 671. Under Mayor Bloomberg, we got it down to 371, 370, something like that. Mm -hmm. We had, I had a 65% reduction in violent crime, a 70% reduction in homicide, and an 80% reduction in homicide in the black communities where the violence was the highest. So what did you do during that time that they can be doing today? What were some of the strategies and tactics you guys used? Everything they're not doing today. Which is what? Basically... Um, I'd have plain clothes cops out there. If I was if I was the police commissioner today, right, I would go to the mayor and say, I want the billion dollars back. 
I want two new classes of 2,000 each in class. I want 4,000 more cops than you have. I had 55,000 people to work for me in the NYPD. 41,000 of those who were uniformed. Today, I think they're around 36,000. Why? You have a bigger population in New York City today than you did in t 20 years ago. Right. Why do they have less cops working today? That's, that's crazy. And keep this in mind. Here's, here's, here's what people, in, in, in all those cities I mentioned earlier, whether it's Atlanta, Baltimore, these are gorgeous. Some of these are gorgeous cities, right? Nobody wants to live, visit, work, or go to school in a place where they're not safe. Nobody wants to move into a neighborhood where they got to put their kids to bed in bathtubs to protect them from gun violence. That's the bottom line. For every percentage point, Giuliani and I and the other commissioners, for every percentage point we reduced violence and homicide, I could show you increases in economic development, real estate value, and tourism. Every percentage wow. point. It's a, it's, it is the bottom line. You know, a, a lot of the advocates and, and these left-wing lunatics will get jump on, the, on this totem pole saying, this is all socioeconomic. We need better jobs. We need better schools. We need whatever we need. They'll, they'll talk all this shit, right? Bottom line is, you're not getting none of that. You're not getting none. You're not getting better jobs. You're not getting better schools. As long as you have the highest violence and crime and the highest murder rate in your city, you're not getting none of that other stuff. Why would somebody build a small business over there? What, what risk am I going to take? Uh, with? That's exactly yeah. right. Who's going to put a business there? Who's going to create jobs? You think, you think Apple is going to put a flagship store on the, on, you know, the south side of uh, Chicago? No, they're not. The bottom line is you have to fix the violence and the murder rate. So let me continue because, okay, so Bernard, to, to be fair with the audience, you would consider yourself a, a Republican. You would say you're a Republican yourself. Yeah. Okay, so you're a Republican. New York Post is a, a, a center-right newspaper. A Post is New York Times is left, New York Post is right. Let's just kind of – so I just right. read to you stats – from New York Post. So somebody may say, and, and USA Today is left, but New York Post USA is right. USA Today I'd tends say to be left. center. I'd, I'd say USA Today is center left. I think Wall Street Journal today center is right. center, center right. Yeah, so New York Post is right. Now, next one, NPR. What is NPR? Far Certainly left. Certainly left. Far left, right? So this next story I'm reading to you is from NPR. Mm -hmm. Massive one-year rise in homicide rates collided with the pandemic in 2020. This is an NPR story, and they have a data. If you want to pull up that link right there so they can see it, open for visual data, Kai. Uh, uh, pull it up so they can see it. At the end of 2020, Chicago police reported more than 750 murders. Okay, this is 2020 during the pandemic. A jump of more than 50% compared to 2019. People were out and about in 2019. People stayed home in 2020. How the hell is murders up 50% in Chicago from 2020 to 2019? By mid-December, L.A. saw a rise of 30% over the previous year with 330, 322 homicides. There were 437 homicides in New York City by December 20th, nearly 40% higher than previous year. New, New Orleans-based uh, based data consultant. Jeff Asher studied crime rates in more than 50 cities and says the crime spikes aren't just happening in big cities. 
With the numbers of homicides spiking in many places, Asher expects the final statistic for 2020 to tell a a startling grim story. We're going to see historically the largest one-year rise in murder that we've ever seen. Asher says it's been more than half a century since the number since the country saw a year-to-year murder rate that jumped nearly 13%. This is NPR. This isn't New York Post. This and, isn't and, Wall Street and, Journal. This and, is NPR. And here's your answer. The answer is this has nothing to do with the pandemic, in my opinion. This has to do with every one of those cities where I where I was talking about, Chicago included. You know, Chicago, you're not allowed to chase a bad guy. You know that, right? You know the mayor said the mayor of Chicago, um, was that Mar- Muriel Bowser. Yeah, says you can't. You have to get permission from a supervisor to run. We're not talking fucking car chases. We're talking about running after someone. You're not allowed to chase them unless you get a supervisor's permission. Okay, that's the kind of shit. That is killing the police. The hell does that even mean? You're I not, d- well, what do, is your I job? Well, I don't know. Guys I committing don't. a crime. Can I get an approval? <laughs> Let me get a approval from but uh, this the top is, of management. Th- you know, Ten you minutes can, later, the guy's already committed no, a crime. You can't chase him in a car. You can't chase him on foot. You can't confront him. You, you, there's no stop, question, and frisk. Nobody wants that anymore. Basically, they don't want you to do anything. That's the problem. That's the problem. I, it, th- this is not about a pandemic. This is about a change in the way we deal with the criminal element. Well, here's what Bloomberg comes out. And Bloomberg, we know, is a left, uh, left-wing uh, uh, side, but they're pretty reasonable. I think when it comes down to economics, they're center. I like to right. get Bloomberg's facts. But when it comes down to it, Bloomberg ran as a Democrat for office, and he's got a media empire. This is the story. New York City's violent crimes is up. So is the city's police budget. Would you consider Bloomberg a decent mayor for New York City? He was. He was. Okay, fair enough. So protests calling to defund the police have become a familiar sight in New York City. But this year, if Mayor de Blasio gets his way, one of America's most progressive cities will actually send more, more dollars to the NYPD than it did a year ago. This is a story from yesterday. Despite promises to st- strip a billion dollars from city's law enforcement budget, which gained national attention in the wake of George Floyd's murder last year, de Blasio slashed less than a half less than half that as part of a broader round of pandemic cuts and a spending sl- uh, plan for fiscal 2020 to announce this month keeps police head, uh, head count and operations intact, leaving any major shakeups of the force up to whoever succeeds the term limit mayor in January. But now, with shootings in March up 77% over last year, let me say that one more time, shootings in March of 2021 up 77% from last year and an influx of more than $4 billion in federal stimulus funds available for mental health, at-risk youth, and other social programs, the notion of taking police officers off the streets has become less politically palatable for the mayor and the dozens or so candidates vying to replace him next year. New York is the largest police department in the U.S. and has amongst the highest number of officers per capita. There were 436 officers per 100,000 in the city in 2019 compared to 249 in L.A. or 233 in Houston, according to the FBI. So even de Blasio is sitting there saying, maybe I screwed up. What do you think? Of course he screwed up, and they all know it. All you had to do was look at Minneapolis. Minneapolis is the first one that started this whole defunding mess, right? They wanted to defund it. They wanted to diminish. They wanted to annihilate the police department. They defunded to an extent. Um, They also wanted to bring in social services instead of cops and all this all this nonsense, right? 
Well, last month or two months ago, they had to basically come out and say, okay, yeah, we screwed up. We we gotta we gotta refund what we defunded. We need two hundred immediate cops back on the street. We need ABC. The bottom line is the funding isn't gonna work. I don't know what that what the mentality was behind defunding, but it's not gonna work. Your, everything I predicted when Minneapolis started defunding, everything I've said, everything I've I predicted has come true. You defund, you diminish their budget, Scary you take fact. away staffing, you take away resources, and here's here's the absurd thing: you take away their training, right? So for the past thirty years, we've tried to train cops to do everything under the sun. You want de-escalation. You want verbal judo. You want less lethal force. You want to give them non-lethal force tools. Every single thing that we've tried to give them to make their job better, make them less confrontational, make it work easier in communities. Well, now we're going to defund it. We're going to take all that shit back. Really? It makes it's absolutely no, insane. It, make, he, it makes no sense. You know what I think about like a Soros. Imagine you're a cop working for the guy. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? You're thinking they're morons. No, but but I'm actually like literally. Yes, you're thinking they're morons. But what are you thinking? Are you sitting there saying, "Man, am I going to do a bang up job for this guy?" Like, imagine that relationship. Like, you know, this guy cannot stand you. This guy wants to get rid of you, but he also knows he needs you. But at the same yeah, time, but, with the media, he's kind of have to. You talking about the mayor right now? No, 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 no. I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm but, talking no, about. No, no. Well, hold on. Yeah, hold on. Think about this though. The city council members, they have cops. They have drivers. Mm-hmm. The city officials, the mayor, he has a protective detail that probably ranges somewhere around 25 people. Those cops that work for him despise him. Really, I, I know many of them. I know many of them. They despise him. They can't stand him. And they can't stand him because he's anti-cop, he's anti-PD, he hates them, he despises them. How do they work they together a, on a daily basis? But they have a job to do. They have a job to do. Just imagine like that you're working no for sense. a guy that hates you, hates what you stand for. But on a, on a personal but, level, and, do they and, not interact? And yeah. I think you have the city council in New York City. They, they basically brutalize the NYPD on a daily basis. Brutalize them on a daily basis. How do you interact with them? You have a job to do. You go out and you do yeah. your job. You, it doesn't make any difference who's on the other Listen, end. Listen, I respect the guys that are doing it. You know, For me, when I joined the military, I knew nothing about it. Like When I went to the military, it wasn't because my dad was a general or sergeant major or I'm going to go follow my dad's footsteps. I went in the military because I couldn't wait to get out of L.A., and I just got in, and I went into the Army, and then I realized what some of these guys had to do and the sacrifices they made. My appreciation for you know soldiers went to a whole different level, a lot on what they had right. to sacrifice. Cops, man, who, who the hell wants to be a cop today? Who wakes up in the morning wanting to be a cop today? And today, mm-hmm. Your son is a, a cop in, in Jersey, right? In Newark. Uh, what, what's he telling you? What's he saying? Like, Does he tell you what's changed in the last 12 months? on how much crazier it is, how they treat him, do they treat him with respect, is he seeing some? Well, I, I gotta be honest, his, uh, his supervisors in Newark, his boss, uh, actually, who just retired, Anthony Ambrose uh, was the police director in Newark until about a month ago, and um, I, have to, I have to admit, in the last, I think, two years, Anthony Ambrose brought down Newark's violent crime 
the lowest it's been in 50 years, 40 wow. years. Tremendous wow. job. But how did he do it? He did it exactly the way New York City dropped crime over the last 20 years, right? Prior to de Blasio. Same stuff. Phenomenal boss. Uh, my, my son, uh, you know, has a lot of respect for him, what he did uh, during his time. Uh, Newark's a rough place. It's one of the most uh, violent crime-ridden uh, cities in the, in, the, in the state of New Jersey. Um, he happens to be on their SWAT team. Uh, he's been on the team. He's a team leader. Uh, he's been on their team for about 10 years. He's, he's, it's crazy. He's 35, 36 years old, and he's been on the job 16. Looks just like you, by the way. No, you know, yeah. With Good a lot, looking guy. A lot, a lot of fucking Good hair. Good looking guy. You know, yeah. Yeah. pull lot, him up. A lot of, lot of hair. 20, he's, he became a cop when he was 20 years old? He became 19. a cop when he was 19. Wow. Went on the job when he was 19. Um, he started in Patterson, which was was another rough place. Pat- you know, it's who, funny. Who's from Patterson, New Jersey? Is that where uh, Cory Booker's from? No, Cory Booker's from Newark. Newark, all right. There it is. Yeah, I was, I was born in Newark, and I was raised in Patterson. And, uh, yeah, he went on at 19 uh, in Patterson. And then he got laid off. Um, and, and, you know, the father that I am, you know, I'm thinking, I'll get, I'll get him a great job in Ridgewood, New Jersey. You know, gorgeous town, small town, you know, make good money. I called him up to my house, and I had him sit down, and I said, listen, dude, where, where do you want to go? I says, I, I got some great recommendations. He goes, no, I, I know where I'm going. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Newark. I said, what are you on, fucking drugs like Newark? <laughs> like, what's the matter with you? You're going to Newark? Yeah. He goes, I said, think it like, think of the money. Like, it, th- these other cops make, the, you know, a third more than you do. He started laughing. He says, yeah, I'm talking to the guy that was the warden of the Passaic County Jail and left and went bankrupt to join the NYPD. I said, okay, all right. Yeah, granted. But mm. think of the violence. Think of the mm. violence. And this is, this is his response to me. He says that when your wife has geese in the swimming pool out back, she calls the cops. He goes, I'm not chasing geese around a fucking swimming pool. <laughs> he goes, I, I can't do it. He says, I got to. He says, I can't do it. He says, I just got to, you know, I like. <laughs> He's got a need for speed. I like, I like what I do. I like the guy. Genetics. Work, genetics. Yeah. I would have been the do. geese guy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I would have <laughs> been the geese guy. <laughs> <laughs> Tension APB. We got 16 geese right out of here. Riding I would have been the geese guy. You know, today. By the All way, right, did, today, did, you, did you see the that geese kid? geese attack. Did you see the kid and the teacher having a, you know, he's not a kid, 19-year-old, a 19-year-old young adult. Who had the exchange with his teacher where the teacher was uh, saying bad things about the cop? This guy was defending it. Did you see that exchange? Yes. No. Did you see, see it? it no. You haven't seen it? No. Can you put that video on? I want to show this. It's two minutes. I want you to watch it. So the teacher and another student are not for the cops. This one student stands up and says, I think cops have a very hard job. Okay, Pat, can he? F- There's something else, though, that you should look at. J- just the, to show your viewers the mentality of, of the far left. In that case, that was a professor. Professor. That was a professor in a college. Okay, that that's number one. But number two, there's a car stop. There's a car stop that went viral about a week ago, and in that car stop, there is a teacher 
Uh, we who, showed who that last basically week. Basically, stopped. Yeah. She stopped by an LA sheriff's You're department. You're Mexican. You'll never be white. You'll never be. Oh, we yeah, that we last saw week. that. So Come on, that yeah. like really. Can we no. bring up the the military interaction with the cop? We, we will, but I, I want to show this. If you've never seen this, I've not I want to get your reaction on this. I know he's seen it. So, so Kai, do me a favor. Do the playback speed. Increase that to one point five, and let's. Kai's play. on the ball today, ladies and gentlemen. Who is she? The teacher? She's the teacher. Because the whole reason we have police departments in the first place, where did it stem from? What's our history going back to what Jeremy was talking about? Where was, what does it stem from? It stems from people in the South wanting to capture runaway slaves. Maybe they shouldn't be heroes. Maybe they don't belong on a kid's show. Uh, so I disagree with the what Jeremy, Jeremy said about it because uh, I think cops are heroes and they have to have a difficult job, but we have to have all of them. Life. Oh, I, I'm not, I mean, I'd say uh, a good majority of them. We have, we have bad people in every business and every yeah, part. Yet, oh, well, wait, wait, a lot wait, wait, of wait, police wait. officers have committed atrocious crimes and have gotten away with it and have never been convicted of any of it. And, and they I think that the person who has family members who are police officers. This is a teacher, yes. professor. How do you understand? Um, and this is what I believe. This is my opinion. And this is, you know, not popular to say, but uh, I do support our police. We have bad people. And the people that do bad things should be brought to justice. I agree with that. But I think that, uh, say, I'm saying again. They have. Well, I agree with you on that point. Of, they should, right? Okay, so what is and, your bottom line point? You're saying police officers should be revered. She's Jesus very knows. angry. I think they are heroes in a sense because they come to your need and they come and help you and they have uh, problems just like every other business, but we should fix that. But I think that they're heroes. Well, they're, I think they're that's looking at it as a business because they're actually supposed to protect and serve the people. They not do protect us. Who do we call when we're in trouble and someone has a knife or a gun? We I would call the police. Why wouldn't you call the police? I don't trust them. My life's in more danger in their presence. Professor, who would you call? I wouldn't call anybody. <laughs> She's a fucking nut. See, she's a fucking nut. This, you know, how do you do Okay. And I know that it's not popular for me to say that to you guys and, and people in here, but that's what I believe about the police. Okay. And, thank you. I appreciate um, it. Thank you. You've got to respect this guy, though, man. Just How old is that kid? Probably 19 years old, Kai, if you want to pause it. Probably 19 years old taking a stand and saying that, and the teacher saying, I wouldn't call the cops. What do you mean you're not going to call the cops? When you call the cops, it's not a Republican or Democratic thing. I'm going to call the cops. Can I ask you a couple of rapid fire sure, questions? Because yes. I'm sure we got to move on. Rapid fire. Bing, 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 bing. Give a grade to Mayor Giuliani, Mayor Bloomberg, and Mayor Bill de Blasio. Giuliani at 10. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg, I'd say 10. Uh, Mayor de Blasio, 2. Uh, why is he not a 1? He's a fucking 0. <laughs> you know, I mean, really? You know, I, I don't know. All right, whatever. Giuliani, I mean, fall from grace? That's a question mark. No. You think he's still no, doing all right? He's doing fine. I okay. talk to him on a daily basis. He's doing okay. Okay. Uh, a couple of rapid fire questions. Uh, magic wand. Magic wand. Uh, if you could change the image of the police, how would you do it? I wouldn't. I change the image of the communities. I'd start teaching young kids today that you can't violate the law, that you can't attack cops, that you can't resist arrest, you can't interfere with another arrest. I'd start teaching kids in the communities things that. Maybe they don't know, maybe they do, uh, but the bottom line is mm -hmm. many of the interactions that go negative in policing, they start with a suspect that did something wrong or is suspected of doing something wrong, and then they resist. And if they didn't resist, we wouldn't have that, the overall confrontation that, that occurred. Are, are cops asked to do too much? <sighs> Yeah, uh, uh, honestly, uh, they're asked to do a lot. I wouldn't say too much. 
uh, they do the best they can under the circumstances. Okay, last question. You were the commissioner of New York City, NYPD, a.k.a. Gotham. You got Batman, you got Robin right behind you. They were running the streets of Gotham. What are your thoughts on what's going on behind you? Um, you know, it's it's a crazy time, crazy world. No, today. literally behind you right there. Oh, no, these, these, I, I like this guy, but <laughs> I like this guy better. I like this guy better. You like Batman better than the Joker. Yeah. So let's let's okay. talk about let's talk about uh, what's going on with Israel and Palestine. Yes, sir. Because I think a lot of people are asking us to talk about that topic, and I think we need to, especially uh, Adam. You haven't been there multiple times, and yep. you being um, your family the Jew. being from Israel. Yes. Yeah. So let's go to page eleven. Here we go. Page eleven. Da 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 da. Republic. Okay. Is it page eleven or is it page twelve? Twelve. Sir. Okay. Page twelve. Uh, senior Hamas commander killed as Israel strikes Gaza, Palestine's fire rockets. This is a Reuters story. The, war, the worst violence since 2014 between Israel and Palestinians showed no sign of letting up Wednesday as continued Israeli attacks and Hamas rocketed. The rocket fires prompted the U.S. and the United Nations to warn the conflict could mushroom into full-scale war. Israeli bomb, uh, Israel's bombing uh, campaign in Gaza has now killed 53 people, including 14 children and injured more than 300 people. According to the Gaza-based Palestinian Health Ministry, Israel's Shin Bet Security uh, Service said the brigade commander of Gaza City was among senior members of Islamist, Islamist, Islamist militant group Hamas who had been killed. Militants in Gaza have, been fi have fired more than 1,000 rockets into Israel, killing six Israeli civilians, injuring more than 200 others. The Israeli military said Wednesday around 130 rockets hit Tel Aviv last night, forcing Israel's main international airport Ben uh, Gurion to close. Many of the rockets were intercepted by Israel's Iron Dome, which, by the way, what a system they have there with the Iron Dome air defense system. But several struck Tel Aviv, setting a bus ablaze and killing one Israeli woman. Thousands of Israel spent the night in bomb shelters. In Gaza, which has few bomb shelters and no air defense system, several buildings and apartments were damaged by Israeli airstrikes. One of those strikes brought a multi-story tower block tumbling down. The Israeli defense forces said the building was stronghold of Hamas military intelligence and weapon research. Uh, I will go to you first, Adam. Tell us what are your thoughts on this. Well, this obviously is, it's tragic what's going on, yeah. but go a little deeper. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, of course. This is, this is a sad situation, but unfortunately it's nothing new, right? I mean, this is the first flare-up since, what, 2014, but um, I think we've all seen what's going on with Israel and Palestine, and it stemmed from the war of 1948, the Six-Day War, when Israel became a state, and Egypt and Jordan and uh, Palestinians, everyone attacked them, and in six days... This little country called Israel defended themselves, and they did it in the war of uh, 67 and, and 71 and, and just the Yom Kippur War. And somehow this little magical country, Israel, exists in this sea of um, mu uh, Muslim con you know, countries all around them. So no, first and foremost, Israel does have a right to defend themselves. Let me just state, state that. Number two. Um, this is not a black and white issue. So me being Jewish, like obviously people are going to say, oh, you're biased. And uh, that's obviously you're going to, you know, support Israel. But I will say that there are parts of Israel that I don't necessarily agree with. So, for instance, the Palestinian, uh, the Israeli settlements that they're trying to um, essentially take over from these Palestinians fam uh, families who have been there forever. Uh, these settlers are definitely aggressive. And it's hard not to sympathize with somebody who's been living in the same house for decades. And now settlers come in and say, well, the government says it's my house now. And uh, thank you for being here. 
what the hell would you do if you lived in that house for 30, 40, 50 years and you're Palestinian, you think you're giving your house up without a fight? Are you kidding me? So that's on a micro issue. From a macro perspective, here's how I kind of look at it. Um, it you know, Palestine, you know, it's, you know, they say like, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, Palestinians are bringing rocks to a literal rocket fight. So, you know, I used this analogy with Ricky the other day and he was he's like, what the hell's going on there? You know, Ricky's a big dude. And it'd be like if Dylan, because Dylan was there, kept coming up to Ricky, who's a big guy, and hitting him and punching him and kicking him. Yeah, he's only seven years old, but at some point, you're going to hit back. So, you know, Palestinians are throwing rocks. You know, they're literally launching rockets. Uh, and Israel is going to only take it to a certain extent when they said, listen, you do that again, and we're going to, excuse my language, kick your fucking ass. And that's essentially that's what's essentially happening. what Netanyahu said. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So at some point, if you know, and not, I'm not comparing Palestinians to a seven-year-old, but in terms of strength, there's no comparison to what the Palestinian or the PLO or Hamas has compared to what Israel has. But at some point, look, it, it's such a tough situation that I do actually sympathize with the Palestinians. And I've been to Israel. I'm Jewish. I have family that lives in Israel. I have a cousin of mine who moved from Detroit to join the IDF. So yes, I have some bias here, but I do understand the plight of the Palestinians. If you're constantly a second-class citizen in where you live, how do you expect to react? So this goes down to the, another macro perspective, the one state or the two state solution. So John Kerry, who was, um, was John Kerry secretary? Secretary of State. Okay. So he said the Jewish people cannot, if you do a one state solution, you're familiar with the one state, two state solution. If you do a one state solution, because there's more Arabs living in Israel than Jews. He said, if you do a, um, a one state solution, Israel can no longer be Jewish and or democratic. It cannot be both. So a two state solution, both have the right to exist. The problem is, and I'll turn it over to Bernie after this. The problem is there's people in Hamas who are a terrorist organization that are running Palestine, the Palestinian terrorists. United States has labeled the people running the Palestinian territory a terrorist organization, Hamas. They do not believe that Israel has a right to exist. Just like how in Iran, um, the the people running the, the Azerbaijan and yeah. army. There's a bunch of them. They, they do not believe that like Israel this. has yes. the right to exist. So, sure. if, uh, on a fundamental basis, if you do not Azerbaijan believe a country, yeah. if you're not exactly Azerbaijan doesn't believe Armenia has a right to exist. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yes. If you saying that you don't believe a country has a right to exist, and you're doing everything to usurp their who's existence. to blame here though? Who's to blame here? Listen, I, I understand that you know Trevor Noah. You know Trevor Noah. I don't know when you heard what he said. You know he was like, well. The, if, if when I was younger and I was an older uh, brother uh, and I would beat up my younger siblings, my uh, mom would say, but uh, mom, they hit me first. And yeah. mom would say, but that's your brother. Why are you hitting him? All this other stuff. Why are you hitting them? The difference yeah. here is this is not your brother. Like this is not like this is a very it, it, different yeah, story Pat, here. You know what? They're not hitting them either. The Hamas, I, I think you said, fired over a thousand rockets. Yeah. A thousand rockets. Yeah. If it wasn't for the Iron Dome, they would have killed hundreds Hundreds yeah. of Israelis, thousands so, potentially. No, no, potentially, potentially thousands. Pot potentially I mean, yeah, thousands. Of course, yeah. Thousands of rockets they they shot. Right. The bottom line is, we're not talking about a fist fight. We're not talking yeah. about somebody getting hit. We're talking about deadly physical force. Right. If you infuse that force, if you you go, you it doesn't know, matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what the argument is. You know, there's ways to deal with the argument. 
you know, there's a hundred ways to deal with the argument. And I think the UN for once should probably do a better job. They've never done a good job, but they should be doing more to, to rectify the internal issues. But the bottom line is you can't shoot rockets into Israel deadly rockets and anticipate mm -hmm. they're not going to shoot back. Yeah, just think about yeah. like Netanyahu's press conference. Well, look, to the Israeli people, I'd like to speak to you. I know we got bombed and I know we had 100 rockets that mm -hmm. were shot our way in a span of uh, five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever the number was. They're smaller army than us. We shouldn't retaliate. God talked about forgiveness. Yeah. You should forgive them. He would not and be like what I, No, no, what yeah. I'm saying to you is forget it's Netanyahu. Yeah. Say Biden gives that speech. We're America. Yes, 9-11 happened, but we shouldn't retaliate. No, no, this the country is not, is not you, gonna. Say, say you're Russia, say you're any country, if a prime minister says that, what do you say? You're the, you're the voter. You're fired. You're, that's you're, what you that's, said. That's what I'm saying. You're a mother with <laughs> yeah. three kids, and the only thing a mother thinks about with their kids is the S word. What is it? Security and safety, right? You want me to sit there and say, well, Netanyahu, this is why this Israeli, really, they're, they're, they're too aggressive, they're too this, they're too that. What is the alternative mm -hmm. to look the other way when you're looking at what is, is, is that going to cause Hamas and Palestine to stop? No, they're not. They're going to no. continue doing what they're doing. So my, my, my challenge with this is when you get into topics like this, you'll get people from both sides. You know, you're, you cannot believe you said this. Can't. This is not about me taking Israel side or Palestine side. If you're going to do something like this, you best do something like this knowing you can beat Israel. You can't. Mm -hmm. If you're going to start a fight, you better believe you can finish the fight. What is the point of starting a fight if you know it's not going to favor you? Like it, it's, what, it's emotion. Like you, something that I've had to learn here, yeah. uh, being a part of Valuetainment and everything, is try to be more logical, not emotional. Can you imagine the emotion of somebody? They, they killed my, my grandson. They, they took my house. It's, you're running on pure emotion. You think there's logic yep. in, in behind their actions? They're that. mad. Yeah. They're angry. They're upset. They're still they're still angry that someone killed their cousin from 40 years ago, and they're harboring that anger. What do you expect them to do? No, I and I'm not defending. I'm not justifying I'm their I'm actions. I'm Armenian, and yeah. Armenia went up against uh, uh, Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan's got five times the amount of budget you got with backing of Erdogan, Turkey, the largest yeah. military in the Middle East, while Putin doesn't have the backing of Armenia. Putin does business with Turkey. You think Putin's going to take the side of Armenia, back him up? Who's yeah. going to defend Palestine and Hamas to say, hey, you're going to go up against Israel. We'll back you up and go defend a war against Israel. Mm -hmm. the, you, the most ridiculous air force in the world one of the best militaries Technology, in the world. Technology, ridiculous. Hamas, the most insane, you know, secret intelligence. You want to go up against somebody like the that? The IDF? I, well, I don't know I, to, about that. To Bernie's point, and you bring up an amazing point here, the fact that Israel, 10 years ago, they, they invented this Iron Dome, which essentially is a missile defense mechanism that with 90 plus percent accuracy can shoot down rockets that are coming over its border. Imagine if they didn't have that. That's what I'm saying. Imagine if they didn't have that and thousands of missiles landed in the country. Yeah. People are protesting let, Israel. They're using force. Me, they're using force. Let me Imagine if a thousand people died. Would Israel you, have the justification to do what they want no, to do? No, there's of course. But but here, here's complete different story here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go a complete different angle. You know what that dome did to me when I saw it? What did it do to you when you saw that? What like forget about when you saw yeah. it. Like you know how you see it in the videos, yeah. like boom. You're like yeah. What did you think about when you saw that? You. you I've seen that for years, but what, I get what, that. But when yeah. you see it, what do you think about the ridiculous technology? Okay, that they have. you think about safety. You think yeah. about wow, that's pretty sick. You think about the direction we're going, mm -hmm. where security and safety 
from doing wars is gone. Meaning, yeah. if you want to bomb a place, those days the technology is getting so advanced that countries are going to be able to put a bio, you know, this, this kind of a dome over yeah. where a person can... Well, it's not can, a literal dome. I know, of course not. Think of this. Yeah. Think of this. You know, and I, I, I have a lot of friends in the special operations community, right? Think of this. Today, in Washington, D.C., somebody... Somebody could pick up a phone and call somebody in D.C. and say, we have a guy. This is his grid coordinates. He could be on the other side of the fucking universe. Some, completely like somewhere hidden, somewhere, wherever. Within 30 minutes, mm -hmm. we, the United States, has an ability to drop a bomb on that guy's head no matter where he is in the world. Think about that. No matter where he is in the feel, world. How do you feel hearing that? That the fact that we have these capabilities? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, Makes, does it make you feel safe? Does it make me feel safe yes. that we could do something like yeah. that? I mean, does it make me feel unsafe? Okay, no, but, but what I'm saying to you is the fact that folks in Israel yeah. They, they, they ought to be grateful for the technology advancement that that country's invested in to provide that kind of security. Yeah. Because here's the, how small is Israel? Israel's not a big country. Israel's you, the you, size of like Delaware. Yeah, Israel is so tiny, it's ridiculous. And by the way, Palestine's even smaller. Like when, yeah. when you think about how small. And, it's, and it's, not, it's, it's not also just wartime capability, right? When the FBI had a hard time getting into the iPhones, right? Mm -hmm. Who'd they go to? They go to Israel. Who they go to? They go to the Israelis. Well, there's an amazing book called Startup Nation uh, that I read, I don't know, 10 years ago. And it talked about how this little, it's like the little engine that could, how this little country yeah. was able to manifest itself into this ridiculous technologically advanced country. Uh, and I'll say one thing, because I'm sure we'll move on to the next topic. But we, we were texting, ironically, yesterday or DMing yesterday on the plane. Uh, you remember this? Yeah. And you and we were talking about uh, Israel and Tel Aviv, and you go. I guess we're not opening up a valuetainment office in Tel Aviv anytime soon. Ha, ha, ha. And I go. And I've been to Tel Aviv. I actually said the opposite. You, know, you said I guess I we. Said, I guess I we're. Guess, I guess we are yes. because of how safe it is. Gotcha. That's okay, what I, I thought said. you were being sarcastic. No, no, I was okay. saying the opposite. I gotcha. was saying you would feel safe. Here, now he's going to check to make sure. No, no, no. He, so I he, said he did sounds say, like a safe <laughs> place to move item and headquarters. I thought you were being sarcastic. No, no, no I was actually about... <laughs> saying if you got a bio, if you yes. got one of those domes okay. that you're protected. But here's what I'll say about Tel Aviv. I'm from Miami. I'm from I'm from Miami Beach. It's like Miami Beach, bro. Like it's like you go to the beaches, you're having a great time. You go to the discotecas, you're dancing, you're doing the, uh, uh, you're having fun. It, you're living a life that you would not think you're living in in the Middle East. It, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, and, but Adam, you know what? That's all over the Middle East. You know, when we're watching, you're watching video of Syria, right? You're watching the bombs and, the, you know, the, the, the knocking out uh, sites and doing all this other stuff. You go online, mm -hmm. you go on Facebook, and you'll see people in Syria. They're having weddings. They're having parties. They're going out to restaurants. And you're looking at this thinking, where the fuck is that guy? Because... I just saw this morning in Aleppo, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right. I just saw this morning right. where they annihilated an entire city, and this guy's getting married. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all over the Middle East. Why? Because it's the way they've learned to live. They had mm -hmm. to live like this. You know, I worked, I worked for the King of Jordan for five years. 
and wow. Jordan's a pretty secure country. Jordan has been you great know? for the last it's been great. 40 years. Um, but I was also there in November of 2005 when they bombed the three hotels, right? Mm-hmm. And all over this country, everybody was saying, oh my God, it's, it's losing it, it's not gonna be secure anymore, there's no security in Jordan, mm-hmm. and yet I was in Jordan, I don't know, 70 times over five years. Um, it's phenomenal. It was a phenomenal country. Mm-hmm. It's the way they've learned to live. It's, it's the way the Israelis have learned to live. They have, to, you know, you go into a mall in Tel Aviv, you're going to be checked for weapons. Yep. You're going to be checked for a vest. That's the way and they every, to live. Every uh, Israeli citizen, and the, bless you, from the day they turn 18 has to join the IDF, Israeli right. Defense Force. And you're learn. Everyone has guns. Have in the guns in the country. Everyone has them. Uh, AK-47s, whatever it is. And it's a very safe place. You feel very secure. So as a Jew, as a Jew, you know, you go there and it's it's not what you like. For instance, the Jewish people in, in America, they they you kind of get this like uh, everyone feels safe. No, not at, guns, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. AK forty seven. Exactly. You feel like every Jew is like a Mort Greenberg from uh, the Family Guy, and he runs a pharmacy. Like that's what's. Uh, but they're they're freaking badasses. It's ridiculous. Uh, most uh, most I'm aggressive. I'm assuming you never joined that military. I did meet some nice girls, though. You did. I did meet I can some see, nice I girls. I can see that. But well, how about we talk a little economy? I want to get two stories sure. in before we wrap up. We got nine minutes. Okay, CNBC story. Inflation speeds up in April as consumer prices leap 4.2%, fastest since 2008. Now, when you read this story, this is the highest raise rate of inflation over the past year jumped from 4.2 to 2.2 from 2.6% uh, to 2. prior month, highest since 2008. Senior Federal Reserve officials who are supposed to protect the U.S. from high inflation insist the increase is temporary. They contend inflation will subside by next year over the pandemic phase. Most people go back to work and global economy is largely recovered. Now, here's some interesting statistic based on this, okay, on what increased. Energy prices overall jumped 25% from a year earlier, 49.6% increase for gasoline, 37.3% for fuel oil. Then on top of that, this is the this is the random weird statistic, used car and truck prices, which are seen as a key inflation indicator, surged 21%. No. What the hell is used car prices going up 21%? Just in April alone, it increased by... That little, you know, lemon you're going to buy for 2200 bucks mm-hmm. is officially 2500 bucks. okay? Yeah. That uh, $10,000 truck you were going to buy last year, this year you're going to have to pay $12,200 for it, uh, a used car. So, you know, it, it, what's going to happen with this? Are the rates going to go up? Is you know, Are they trying to kind of keep people calm where they don't want to scare anybody? Lumber prices alone have risen 124% in 2021. Once again, lumber prices alone have risen what are, 124%. What are, they, what are they saying it's from, though? What are they saying? It's They're from? just saying it's just temporary. It's not because you know based, based on what? And copper often has seen this proxy for economic activity has jumped nearly thirty six percent. By the way, houses here. You know what kind of houses people are buying that are, they're moving here from New York or other places? They're wanting to buy homes that have already been fully built. The teardowns. They're not. There's there's not too many teardown because lumber is ridiculous because of lumber being ridiculous right. prices and you have to pay costs. for it. Right. Exactly. Building costs going. And up. also so, in New York, you get a you get a shoebox for a million bucks. Down here, you're living the good life. Yeah. 
You are living a pretty good life at a million yeah. bucks. So, but New Yorkers stay in New York. Inflation. <laughs> no, no. Ride the listen, wave. Listen. Tough it out. I don't. I don't. You know, here's the problem with with New Yorkers, people from Jersey, people from the Northeast. You want to go to Florida mm-hmm. because you feel safer. You want to go to Florida because the you know the 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 economy's better. Yeah. Okay. Go to Florida, mm-hmm. but don't bring your politics with you. Keep your politics up there. Don't come yeah, down that, that's here hard to do. and try to vote the same way, think the same way, because thinking the same way isn't what changed Florida. Mm-hmm. Your politics in New York City is far different than what's going on in Florida. The politics in New York City is why you're leaving New York City. That's exactly right. Right. So, so, you- so either keep your ass up there or come to Florida. But you better start voting differently because otherwise you're going to turn Florida into yeah. New York. Bernie, why are all these guys from New York? Why are they coming to Florida? Why aren't they going to Alabama? Why aren't they going to the lovely state of Mississippi? You know, southern state, South Carolina well, sounds great. Because they'd be living in a fucking country with a bunch of sheep. <laughs> you know, I mean. You were How in you Addison. Gonna... You were miserable hanging out with your two cats more than any other cats. <laughs> Not miserable <laughs> with the cats, man. Don't, don't bring the cats. Two little cats of yours, man. Yeah. So, Bernie, this, I, I have a question for you before we move yeah. on. Because you said you got a lot of love down here. You were walking the streets of Boca. Hey, Bernie, yeah. come Who are the people that are giving you love? Hey, Bernie, good to see you. And who are the people like, hey, you fucking Bernie, get the hell out of here? Oh, yeah, what, listen, what's the difference? You, you get you get those far, far and few between. But when you get them, yeah, the, you know, I, I'll tell you a quick funny story. I was I was crossing Madison Avenue. My my little girl, who's now eighteen. She was about two years old. This is after 9-11, mm-hmm. after Giuliani and I leave office. I'm crossing Madison Avenue up around Nello's, around 61st Street. Nice area. I'm crossing the street, and there's a guy walking across. He's like your age. He's walking across the street facing me, and he goes, Carrick, right? You Carrick? I say, yes, sir. And at the top of his lungs, he goes, you're a dick. You're a fucking dick. He starts yelling in the middle of the street, and everybody's like, "Whoa, what happened? What's who's this guy?" So you get, and you it get was those, Bill De Blasio. You probably his kid. <laughs> you, you, you get, you get those kind of people that are complete lunatics. But for the most part, you know, everybody's nice. But down here, when I'm in Palm Beach or Boca or Fort Lauderdale. I'm telling you, I think it's like a sixth borough of this city because mm-hmm. everybody's like, hey, Commissioner, how you doing? Hey, Commissioner, hey, Bernie, hey, what's well, happening? You're, They're you're all in down the here. Mecca. I mean, especially Boca. Boca is like the Mecca yeah. of New York and Jersey. I think they just lift it up like yeah. somewhere up there and brought it down. Yeah, and it's going to be more because of what's going on with New York. This is not going to slow down. I can't tell you the numbers because it's, it's, it, but, but last night you weren't at the house. You were over there. I'm in the process of buying a house right now, okay? We made a few offers, but this one's gone far. I get a call from my realtor yesterday saying, this guy's willing to pay you X, Y, Z dollars. I'll say it once the house closes, then I'll reveal the information so people can know about it. My realtor's telling me, let this guy buy the house from you. I said, I haven't even bought the house yet. Yes, but legally, this is your house because you're in contract. He wants to buy the contract from you, and he wants to pay you this much. I said, how much? So my wife says, Babe, it's a big number, but please say no. Babe, it's a big number, but please say no. Because she like don't want to go through the process she again. She doesn't. It's because <laughs> she's pregnant. We got we got what five weeks left. June twenty first. We got six weeks left for the baby, the fourth baby Amazing. to come up. So life is very busy right now. But the point is, guys are coming in here. They're they're saying, look, what is what is the asking price? I'll give you two million more. Yeah. I'll give you three. Just let me get this place. Because it's a, it's the bidding war today in Florida is insane. Okay, okay. So that being said. 
What do you think in a year from now, a year and a half from now, you think the bubble's going to burst? Not in, not in states like Florida, Texas, uh, Tennessee, Nevada. It's not. Not those states. Really? Texas is going to – listen, Texas is going to keep blowing up. Florida's going to keep blowing up. Tennessee's going to keep blowing up. Nevada's going to keep blowing up. There's certain states, they're not going Why away. Why Tennessee? Taxes, lowest Nashville. taxes in all of America. Lowest taxes in all I'm of going, America. I'm, I'm actually going to Tennessee. No I way. lived there for two years. It's one of the best places to raise a family. One of the best places to raise a family. And it's not like country bumpkin. Nashville. No, fun, they got all know? sports. I mean, Nashville especially. You got you can go live in a nice place, Brentwood, Nash, Brentwood Nashville, mm-hmm. which got $10, $15 million, $20 million homes. You can go get a quarter million dollar home and be right outside the city. A twenty? Could you imagine a twenty million dollar home in Nashville? What's it's a, a palace. I was going to say, what's, what a, what's it? It's a palace, literally. It's a palace, but it's a beautiful place. Beautiful place to raise a family. If it wa- if we wanted the water because our kids love the water, we would have lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I just want I want like twenty acres in the woods somewhere with a long driveway, and a house just big enough for me. Upstate New York. No, no, stop. Upstate, New York. stop. Alabama. No, Alabama. I want a fucking red Bernie, state. You're gonna, I want hey, a red commish. state. Hey, commish. Hey, commish. How you doing? Good to see you down here, commish. Let, let, let's let's finish. Oh man, there's Bernie. Let's finish it up with Liz Cheney, yes, page twelve. If you want to go to it, Adam. So Liz Cheney. Okay, this has been a mess in the Republican Party right now. Representative Liz Cheney says she will do everything she can to make sure that Trump never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. The Business Insider story. She's uh, from Wyoming on Wednesday, said she's determined to prevent former President Donald Trump from returning to the White House. I will do everything I can to ensure the former president never gets in anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger that he continues to provoke with his language. We have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution, Cheney told reporters on Capitol Hill. The comments came after Cheney was ousted as chair of the House Republican uh, Conference in a voice vote on Wednesday morning. GOP members voted to remove Cheney from the top leadership post over repeated criticism of the former president in opposition to his lies about the 2020 presidential election. She was also one of the top, one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump over his role in the Capitol insurrection on January 6th. Thoughts? My thought is she's a liar, and, and I'm glad she's gone. And I say that from personal experience. I ran the investigative side of the president's rebuttal on the election. I saw the 3,000 affidavits from people that witnessed voter fraud, election fraud in six different states. She was never briefed. She was never interviewed. She never called us. She never questioned us. She hasn't seen one bit of evidence out of the outrageous evidence of voter and election fraud, yet make statements like that. And for that, she shouldn't be in Congress. I don't, I don't know Liz Cheney personally like you do. I don't know, or not, not that you know her personally, but, um, and I've said this before, People are like, oh, the Democratic Party is falling apart. The socialists are taking over. But from my opinion, they'll at least coalesce during an election and come together. In my opinion, the, the party that is being fractured is Republicans. You have, what does it say, 100 Republicans, including former governors and lawmakers, are threatening to form a third party. These are people that were lifelong Republicans. The Bushes of the world, the Cheneys of the world, the George Wills of the world. We saw, you know, how the... Um, the Lincoln Project took over the collapse, though. They, okay, didn't yes. end well. Let's just you correct, know, but they yeah. did. They did bring down Trump. They did from but the, the Democrats used them to bring him down, and then afterwards they crash and burn because they're no longer needed. They're the useful idiots. Some call them. Well, they knew what they were doing. The no, no. Democrats, but the point they, is, they, some of them called yes. them the useful idiots. They were useful when needed. The moment everything was accomplished, now it's no longer fair needed. enough. But yeah. the point is that I'm trying to make is if there is some 
the bigger division is definitely in the Republican Party than it is the Democratic Party right now. We'll see what happens in 2022. By the way, I don't disagree with you. I'm actually on your, on your side with this because this is – so you have to realize if you, if you knew how powerful Dick Cheney was – he, he literally ran the show. No, no. The guy is a strategist. He's one yeah. of the scariest guys in politics. The guy mm-hmm. was a strategist. The guy was a – he was feared by yeah. his peers. He's okay? so powerful he could shoot his buddy in the face and not pay a price. The, the, you can say that because Close. that's actually a factual statement. Yeah. So, <laughs> so can you imagine his daughter? She's got those genes. Yeah. The, the genetics of a fighter, the genetics of defending. And Cheney was whose VP? Cheney was the Bushes. A, okay, and the Bushes and Trumps, how's their relationship? Did they go to dinner to get out of Bushes and Trumps, not good. So Not, not good. so good. What's so because the They're closer with was, Obamas at this point. Of course. So the point is you have to know where the loyalty lies, mm-hmm. right? Where the loyalty lies. It's like Cindy now, McCain now, and here's uh, a question, Meghan though. McCain. Here's a question for you. Here's a crazy question for you. Here's a crazy question for Let's you. Let's get I think, crazy. Uh, uh, Sam, am I above my appointment? Uh, what, uh, You're 11.02. Uh, okay. So here's a question, crazy question for you. Here's a crazy question for you. Republican Party. Say there's a split. We have a third party. I know we have like a few other third parties, whatever, independent, libertarian, green, all that. But I'm talking about like a legitimate 20%, 25% party, right? Mm-hmm. Which party is more like Ronald Reagan? The Liz Cheney Bush, you know, party, the, 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 the what do you call it? The, the conservative Lincoln Republicans, the yeah. Lincoln Project. Do you think they're more like Reagan or do you think Trump's MAGA party is more like Reagan? Who's more like more Reagan? More like and Reagan? Wayne? Like Reaganomics, like Reagan, the way he ran America. Trump. Who's more like Reagan? Trump's. You think so? 100%. What do you think? I'm taking the opposite. So let me, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, thumbs up if you think the, 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 the uh, Trump is more like Reagan versus the Cheneys, the Bushes of the world are like Reagan. Thumbs up, it's more Trump like Reagan. Thumbs down, if no, it's Bush, Cheney. Are more like Reagan. I actually want to hear your thoughts when you're saying this. So tell me why you say Ray, uh, Trump's camp MAGA is more like Reagan. Because he believes in much of the same stuff Reagan did. You know, smaller government. You know, the the, the Bush Republican Party is all about the swamp. It's all about the swamp. It's all the the connections, the the long time connections of Washington D.C. And look, I, I got to be honest. I followed this stuff for years. I never got involved as much as I did in the aftermath of the election. And there were people on the Bush side of the House, the Republican side of the House, basically saying, leave, leave, the, leave the election alone. Don't talk about it. Don't go public. Don't cooperate with them. Don't talk to the president's legal team. Why? Why not? What are you hiding? Or what are you trying to prevent from happening? The bottom line is... There was overwhelming evidence of voter and election fraud. I saw it. I collected the affidavits. We interviewed hundreds of people. I got it. But why wouldn't you want that to come out? Why is it, why is it not okay to talk about it? They censured the president. They s- censored the president. They've censored anybody that goes on social media and tries to talk about it. For the people that were there that saw what I saw, this is outrageous, and I don't give a shit if it's Republican and Democrat. I don't care. The bottom line is every vote should count, and every vote should be illegal, a legal vote. When you have 350,000 ballots that are cast between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. in Pittsburgh, and there's no Republican observers, okay, that's illegal. It's illegal. It's a fucking crime. 
When you have 150,000 cast in Philadelphia between 1 and 5 a.m., that's a crime. Why hasn't it been investigated? How can Liz Cheney stand up and say, it's all a lie? What do you say to those who say, uh, uh, Bernard, this has already been addressed. It went to court. Even uh, Georgia, you know, the governor here's, came out and he here, didn't do anything. Even, you know, you can go to all here's, these. Here's what you say about yeah. the court issue. The court issue, and, and I'll, I'll finish with this one statement. The court issues, in, in almost every case, there was no sta- – they didn't find that the petitioner had standing or they said it's a state issue. And you know what? They're right. Here's the bottom line for the people that were there. The Democrats stole the election. They infused ballots. They fucked with the machines. They had dead people voting in the thousands. They stole the election. But that is not why Donald Trump is not the president today. Donald Trump is not the president today. Because the state legislators in the six swing states certified false votes, and they knew it, and they knew it. They certified their election numbers in those states just to get it over. Why? Because they're a part of that Bush entourage, that Bush party. They hated Trump. They didn't like what he stood for, and they are the reason he's not in the White House today. So you're saying it's the actual Republicans who are running one hundred percent. So not even the Democrats. You're 100%. saying is it the Democrats or the Republicans that the fucked Democrats Trump? stole the election? But if the Republicans did their job, if the state legislators did their job and did not certify those votes until there was a real investigation, you have Arizona right now, right now today, they're still in court messing with the audit in Arizona. You have the same thing going on in Michigan in Antrim County where they found the turnover of Trump votes to Biden. They found them in the machines. That stuff is still going on. The certifications should have never been done. Let me ask you, and in the the great words of uh, Big Lebowski, it's kind of like your opinion, man. How accurate do you think no, you no, are? But Meaning, not, like, are you 1,000% confident that's exactly what happened? Or it's like, look, I kind of think this is what no, happened. No, I, I am 1,000% confident. You know why? Because I have the affidavits. Mm-hmm. I have the legal affidavits. They're sworn under the penalty of perjury. There's thousands of them. Thousands. What do you fucking ignore these people that were there? What so about, who do you blame? What, who do you blame for all this? Because you sounds like you're blaming Republicans. I am blaming Republicans. Oh, my God. I am. Well, by, by the way, say there's a third party. Let's break those two apart. Say there's a third party, okay? Uh, so, so not winning. No, if there's a third party, by a landslide, who wins? Democrats. Not by even a close. landslide. Not even win. close. Or, or does... Because it seems like the fear is so high that they're thinking Trump's going to run 2024. Do you think he is? 2024? I don't know. Place your bets. 80% chance, 60%, 50? 80. So 80 very high. Yeah. 80 he runs. Okay. Listen, if so many people are doing everything in their power to prevent it from happening, mm-hmm. they're thinking very high likelihood he's going to be running and they're scared. That's all I can say to you. And I don't he's know. No, no, no. Bro, if, if you're saying stuff like this, this is only stemmed from fear. What if, what if this takes place? Petrified. Yeah. They're petrified. You don't petrified. think this is coming from conviction I, and moral oh, authority? I, I do think it is. But mm-hmm. the only reason you're putting so much energy into it is because you also believe odds are this guy's going to run. We yeah. cannot have this guy run because if he runs, what's he going to do? What's he going to expose? What's he going to show? What's he going to revert back to? What's going to be taking place? What's going to be the next swamp? We're going to lose our deals. I don't know. But all I know is I wish we had another hour today, but we don't. We went nine minutes over. Caroline is standing over here telling me, Pat, you got a call to get on. Uh, 
Bernard, man, it's been great having you on, bro. I got to tell you, this was phenomenal. Thanks, dude. Yeah. And we're going to have a good lunch right afterwards. We'll uh, go uh, grab a bite, and uh, we'll have you back on hopefully here cool. soon again. Thank and on you. behalf of the sixth yes. six borough, welcome. Uh, we'd, love, <laughs> we'd love to have you again. Yeah. See you in the streets. Yeah. My man, this was Thank great. You. This was great. Thank you. Okay, folks. If you're listening to this, we are doing this again, I believe, Tuesday. I'm officially back in town. We'll be doing this We're again back, back in two days. If you enjoyed today's podcast, smash that subscribe button. It's a and separate the channel. Let them know. It is a different channel. We will see you next Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.